I'm Michael Damiani, and I have finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm Kyle Bossman, and I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm Brad Ellis, and I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. Hey, I'm Ben Moore, and I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. What's up? This is Maximilian Dude, and I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. Spoiler mode, spoiler mode, final warning, spoiler mode, activated. Welcome to a new installment of Spoiler Mode. Uh, this is a special Spoiler Mode for multiple reasons. First off, we have a very special guest joining us this time, Maximilian Dude. How is it going, Hi. man? Hi, guys. It's good to see you again. <laughs> Glad to be here. Is that what his voice sounds like? Mm-hmm. Yes. You didn't uh, know that? I, it, that's it's the real Max. <laughs> that's the real Max. <laughs> uh, and for everyone watching this, this is a treat because... This is the first spoiler mode since what that we've actually God released pu- publicly to everybody, uh, whether or not you're a patron or not. Uh, this was just too big to be contained to Patreon, so we had to let this loose on the internet. Um, but Final Fantasy VII Remake. I-, I don't even know where to begin here. Kyle was asking me about like a rundown before all this, and now I'm just like the gravity of actually playing this game. It still hasn't even sunk in with me that this is real and I've been playing this each time I go back to playing it. I feel like I'm still playing it for the first time, despite knowing it. I I just cannot believe how impressive this game is. It was really telling to me, Damiani, when I finished it and sat through that ending and was chewing on that ending for a long time. And then I was like, well, I'll start, you know, cleaning up optional stuff and was having just as much fun as I was going through the story for the first time. Like it really spoke to the quality of the combat and really kind of the quality of the things that you can chase after that I wasn't, because sometimes when you like are doing optional stuff in a game, it kind of feels like you're forcing it where it's like, this is not as good, but I need to keep playing. I wasn't feeling that with 7 Remake. Like I was having just as much fun, which is awesome. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I just, sorry, just thought of like a thing that we should probably like say, I think this is obvious, but all of us here played the original Final Fantasy 7 first, correct? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yes. I don't believe you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely don't believe. No, I'm kidding. Um, but the, I think that's the one thing is that this is something to set this up. I think properly is that this is one of the games. I think a lot of like people, everyone in this spoiler mode, I think has been waiting for this for almost what fifteen well, years, yeah, sixteen PS3. years since PS3. Oh. Since PS3, like the PS3, for me, so here's this real quick, Max. For me, it was that EGM report back in like the mid-2000s before PS3 came out out that said the rumor that Square Enix, the newly merged Square Enix was going to put the PS1 games on PS2 and they they explained it as like HD remasters or something. And I was like, yes, this is going to be so great. Like 7, 8, 9, starting with those. I, I think it was right after what Capcom did with Resident Evil, right? And mm-hmm. that got generally well it was it was well reviewed, but didn't sell great, which was like I think one of the reasons they didn't end up like actually doing it because it was limited to GameCube at the time. Like it's funny is that RE RE remake, which is largely considered to be like one of the greatest remakes, greatest games ever, uh, kind of didn't perform super well on GameCube, even though reviewed incredibly. So I think like things like that. Because the landscape was so much different, remakes didn't really exist for the most part, had an impact on their choice to eventually scrap it like back in the mid-2000s. 
Yeah, I I wonder if that had any impact or anything like that. But the thing is, I think the important thing to take away, though, is that this has been one of the most anticipated things in video games, period. I, yeah, I think, like yeah. next to half, half it's like Life Half-Life, two, Half-Life, Half-Life three, 3 coming out would yeah. be like the only thing left, I think, at this point. Now we've had all these dreams come true. This is like one of the biggest at the top of the checklist to check off. And something pretty close to a Half-Life 3 like sort of just now exists right around the same time frame. It's all very weird. Uh, yeah. Damiani, you, you bringing up EGM really takes me back because EGM had some like amazing Final Fantasy focused issues and talking about the Final Fantasy 7 remake demo it really speaks to how much times have changed because like that tech demo sort of sustained the fan base for years like (laughs) they just kind of subsisted off that hope whereas now I just feel like things happen at at a much greater speed Uh, even even I think, by and large, the speed at which people are processing the first part of this remake is surprising. Like, it's a long game, and it felt like people were done, like, a day after it came out. Yeah, very quickly. Uh, So, one thing I do want to talk about, if we're talking about, you know, anticipation, and, you know, obviously, it's kind of like the only game I was looking forward to this entire year, right? And uh, uh, it may be still. Uh, Is that, I think that the game... Uh, is great despite our expectations. You know what I mean? I think we had expectations that were impossible to meet and mm-hmm. for myself at least, like it exceeded them. Uh, that's that's insane. That's really, really crazy that this was a game that I've been looking forward to for five years and that it paid off on that. It came out as it did. Yeah. I, 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 think it, I think it exceeded expectations because it didn't only play into expectations, right? It wasn't just content yeah. yes. with with doing what the fan base wanted mm-hmm. it very much decided to do that a little bit for sure. Not, well, not a little bit, a lot, but it also went and did its own thing, which is why I think it, it's more enjoyable than it would have been. And I don't think the level of conversation is happening. That's happening now would have happened if it had just played it completely straight. Well, and I think yeah, the really quick, the, like the level of that anticipation and considering what happened with this game during its development, like, Square moving into an entire new engine that they've now made. Like, this is their third game. So they are figuring that out. It's switching developers halfway through completely. The game being announced with the director not even knowing he's directing it. Like, <laughs> what? what? Yeah. It, it was, it seemed like it was going to be. And I, I like remember the excitement I had for it leading into 2016. And then you find out, oh, they've only finished the scenario. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I'm like, this is not going to be good, is it? This is going to be. Like the characters that are going to be talking to each other are going to be like Dirge of Cerberus style. Like, oh no. And then I forgot about it. And luckily, like all those expectations from the final game, absolutely mind-blowing what, what the final product actually is considering all of that. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot that Monolith Soft worked on Dirge of Cerberus. Did which, they really? Yeah. At least that's what the Wikipedia page says. Everybody starts somewhere. Jeez. Well, wasn't a start, but yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird spot. Somewhere. Wow, not a good yeah. start. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It the I think this was a game that was probably pegged by people that it would never be able to live. It, it could be great, but it would not it's live up popular. to expectations, mm-hmm. just because people would just blow the expectations like out of proportion for this. And I think also part of that was fueled by for so long, um, we got everything but a remaster to this game an hd remake of this game 
with the compilation of Final Fantasy VII stuff. They would give us everything, sequels, prequels, but they just would not touch the original game. Like, that was, like, sacred to them. We can go every other direction, but retouch the original time. I feel like even at that time, though, they were kind of, like, hinting that they might, that it was all leading up to something. It was, like, a tease. Yeah. But they, like, never pulled the trigger until, like, they showed the tech demo, and then they kept talking about it, and it just never materialized. So I think what was Max saying, kind of what Max was saying was that... You kind of forgot yeah. about it for a while, and like this is never gonna happen. Like, yeah, like this you, is a pipe it, it was. You wanted more stuff, but there was like a solid three years where there was just absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is that, like, the only reason that it sort of came into existence, and Katase and Nomura sort of spoke about this in interviews, was l- literally their mortality. Like, they're <laughs> like, if we start this project now, we're gonna be how old by the time it's done? Like, we have to do it. We, if we're gonna do this, we have to do this now. I get this. Like, Nomura, yeah. Nomura's in his mid-40s, yeah. and he said, Nojima's way older than me. Mm-hmm. So, and he's the original scenario and current scenario writer. So, I, I think that was a big part of it, because they all, there was a big thing early on that FF7 is too, I, nobody wants to touch it, right? Nobody... These people that were initially involved in part of the key decisions and development actually didn't want to get close to it until like that realization they had in an interview that, okay, if we're, if we're going to do this, realistically, we have to do it now. Like, actually now, because how old are you going to be by the time this is over? I think what's uh, most surprising to me, like if I could sum up all my feelings in Final Fantasy VII Remake in, in like one quick explanation... I feel like Final Fantasy and really Square Enix at large is at its worst when it feels like plot overtakes character completely. Like yeah. where you don't you don't feel invested and you just feel like the game is like constantly explaining bullshit to you. Um, and that, well, you, you can maybe make arguments that parts of Final Fantasy VII Remake do do that. How grounded and real all of these characters felt that I've seen not just in Final Fantasy VII, right, but in the compilation of Final Fantasy VII and, you know, cameos in other games as well, how it kind of felt like I was getting to know them the first for the first time and, and how vulnerable they felt and how much I cared about them. That, that really blew me away completely. I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and it's the thing I was worried the most. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, these characters have never been represented this well in Advent Children, in Crisis Core, outside of Zach, who's actually a genuinely good character. But Zach in Crisis Core is a human character in like this weird robot anime world. Yeah. Like he and he knows it. Like it's when I, I played the game recently. He's like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> Everybody's crazy!" Like he actually has moments like that in the game. I'm like, "Oh my god, he's the audience." Holy hell. Yeah. And Verge of Cerberus, which has such a disconnect of just what even Final Fantasy VII is, like, that's, that's the stuff that's been leading you up to this. And now you have a, honestly, I feel a Square game, much less a game that brings back the memories of character attachment, like the original Final Fantasy VII, like Metal Gear Solid in many ways. Like, these characters feel so grounded and real and human. Uh, it's easily the, the one of the easiest things they could have screwed up. And it's probably my favorite of like any video game because I'm an FF7 fan. It's what I wanted. Yeah, their track, like I would say their character portrayals in this game has been some of the best square in a long time. Like a long time. All the fast found, like I love Kingdom Hearts, but I'm like, man, those characters are like totally unrealistic, Dude, yeah. like goofy robots. But like this, yes, they actually give you the time to get to know these characters. And I was like you guys saying, just so happy how like human they felt because it could have been a disaster. 
For sure. It was one of the biggest concerns for me as well. And I think it was, it was pretty clear from the beginning that they were doing a good job of it. But I think the moment that hit me the hardest were was when Barrett, uh, Barrett basically unle- like just displaying his grief. It, it like it, it like hint after the, the the plate comes down and he's banging on the rock. So that scene in the original one kind of like feels a little supposed to be at this like big important moment. It's a little goofy with like like those character models, but like the voice work accompanying it as well, like the writing, like and the direction, the, yeah, the direction really and delivery of it. It was like I was I like it hurt to watch him. Like it was like suffering and like him in denial that this was going on. Anytime Barrett and Marlene talk to each other, oh my is god, like, yes, this is crazy, dude. It's so good, yeah. yeah. So Damiani, I, I actually think a criticism that you can level at the original Final Fantasy and a lot of other games in general is they don't really do too much character development outside of like the segments where it's like, okay, now we're going to explain the back ca- backstory of this character. It's like this is the Barrett part, or this is you know, the heiress part, or it's very segmented. And I think Final Fantasy VII Remake takes this opportunity to represent the story and gives you so many incredible and authentic small moments where, you know, just through the animation and the little banter that is going on, you get a much stronger sense of these characters. And they don't have to wait for the big flashback scene. I remember at the the behind the door thing at E3, I think, Max, you saw that too. It's like yeah. when we saw it, and like when they were just in the elevator, and like how like fleshed out the characters were. I was like, sh- kind of shocked and blown away about it. It was the thing that I wanted to talk to somebody about. Like, okay, yeah. I need someone that has perspective. <laughs> saw it, the same thing I did because I can't convey how the characters were acting without sounding like a crazy person. Yeah, because it's the opposite of what Square does. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard to like to explain that feeling too, like how good the dialogue felt between them. It's something you have to show, not necessarily tell so well i guess mm-hmm. yeah the, I, the localization team clearly worked their butts off and yeah. what's, what's weird to me about localization is you also have to be a normal person you mm. have to you, you have, have to, to talk like a human <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and so like you you have to be uh you have to first of all know two languages at least and understand them well but also just yeah have characters speak like naturally. talk yeah have someone would actually talk and they, they use swear words really well you know i'm yeah. i'm shocked by that yeah. Yeah, so this game probably has the most effective cursing yes. ever in a video yeah. game. I think, I mean, yeah. this, is a, this is an assumption on my part, but I think what is amazing about this localization is it feels like they are just gigantic Final Fantasy VII fans, right? Like they, yeah. like they know oh, the dude, shit I feel that. in and out. Like they have a huge respect for the source material, but they don't, it's, it doesn't become this prison. Like they understand it well enough to manipulate it and make it better, but they they don't they don't treat it like oh I can't I can't change anything they're not too literal about it mm-hmm. uh, which I really like uh, the best the best example of that is the depiction of Aerith oh and yeah how some people are reacting to like Aerith cursing in some situations like the way that she acts and they don't like that because she has been sort of depicted as this holier than thou kind of character in Final Fantasy post FF seven mm-hmm. but when you go back and you listen to her talk she is the snarkiest like flirtiest weird kooky girl mm-hmm. and they like they get it because she is that this entire game like the whole game she has this character and personality and then obviously has like a deeper meaning behind her maybe behind what she's saying and that's it's handled with genuine care and that's the part where you realize that either it's the localization team but also i think the way nojima described it how they used to write cloud in these characters of what fans expect them to be mm-hmm. 
and instead of the way they originally were. And they said they went back on remake. They went back to, we're going to write the characters like we wrote them back in the 90s. Cool. And that shows in spades. Mm-hmm. I, okay, so Square, can you just do that with your other properties as well? Do that with like, everything? Can you just go back <laughs> to, to how you sure. <laughs> Yeah, even like, even with the cloud, because I saw people com- me the disappointed rather than saying they complained, they were a little disappointed. He showed so much emotion in this game compared to the original one because, you what? know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, wait, what? Be- like, because this is like in spoiler territory, like his backstory and stuff, which we haven't really gotten into yet. So I can't say it here yet because that's beyond the scope of this game. It's even but, original spoilers. But yeah, point, yeah, it's like original game spoilers and stuff. But people who played the original were like, he shouldn't be acting like this. I'm like, like I don't like. I, for me, I didn't care. I like this. I, I was like, I like Cloud getting excited, caring, like you know, not being this like cold like. I mean, there's parts like that for sure where he does that. I mean, not every part's perfect. Like, if you want to criticize something, the best part is, because I literally just replayed it last night, is helping the old man uh, who can't visit the grave anymore in Sector 5 where you go there and kill the monsters and yeah, then that's an interesting pay the respects. Because when you go back to him, you basically are using reverse psychology on him, but he gets, like, angry on you uh, at you because you just don't want him to get in killed or hurt himself trying to visit there so he's like fine i won't do it anymore and stuff so he's like angry at you and like hates you goes you're just a merc who wants money and stuff and the next second you turn to Aerith, and Aerith's like doesn't it feel good to help people and stuff and like it's all happy and jolly and stuff i was like there's still moments like that where it can be like massaged a little bit like that's the game showing it's you know cracks but at the same time yeah everything you said was like all of you said about like this characters like the way they were written but the best part for me is that they took this opportunity to expand. Like, instead of making filler stuff to pad this game out for the most part, they took these moments and, like, they took these areas, fleshed them out, but the, the, the like, byproduct of that is you spend more time with these characters. And as you're just walking along, like, the, the banter between them, like, it's just like, adding so much development. Like, I love that. Like, you got to see... I cared more about characters now than I did before. Like, I knew it was, like, seeing Jesse, Wedge, and Biggs, how much screen time they're getting, how much, like, dialogue they're getting. I was like, I'm going to really care about these characters when shit goes down with them. And how many of you suck. guys... How many of you guys, when you got to Sector 7 for the first time underground, like, you know, the, the lower play to Sector 7, mm-hmm. just walked around the town and heard people talk about, like, Shinra and stuff? Dude, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's great. I, I got choked up at that point when I was playing through it. I just, like, looked up and just saw the plate and everyone talking around me. I was like, yeah, holy I, shit, I'm in, me too. I'm in this world right now. Yeah, just like the fact that people are talking about, like, coming back from work and what happened at the bombing yeah, and the they don't know if their husband's going to yes. make it. I was like, I, I realized, like, dude, this place is real. I can't believe this. Yeah. Like, it, it, that's that's honestly the same spot where I was like, there was just uh, too much joy. Like, I, yeah. I'm like, I have to go take a break and kiss my wife or some shit. <laughs> like, I can't. I have to. I have to just get this away from me. I uh, I actually really like how they handled Avalanche in this game. Um, not only with obviously the the Avalanche crew that we're familiar with, but the expansion of it, mm-hmm. and really just kind of like how they didn't portray Avalanche. And this is in the fi- original Final Fantasy VII as well, but I think they do a better job here of like the way people talk about Avalanche and the pain that you're causing. And then yeah. like how Jesse is kind of internalizing that pain and how Tifa questions it and how like maybe the organization that you're aligned with doesn't have the same values as you. Like they, they added good nuance to these groups. And I, I think that a lot of that can be applied to Shinra as well. Um, and kind of the different 
sides of Shinra that you see. The way the Turks act. Yeah, the Turks How are they great. know yeah. they're doing bad things yeah. and they're like, well, can't grow a crunch can't can't grow a conscience now, like type right. stuff. Uh, yeah. Shinra HQ is actually when I w listened to the most NPCs. I thought those people were just kind of interesting. I was way into. Oh it. yeah, just working in there, dude. I'd, like, I'd go out of my way. Like, I want to hear what these yeah. people are talking about. Yeah. yeah, and they feel bad too, and like you know, yeah. it's just like I can't believe all that happens. Yeah, it's it's pretty co cool. This was impressive the amount of like dialogue they had for all of them. And the fact that like they would all almost all update when you did something significant. And it would change like four big things change yeah. what everybody mm -hmm. says. Yeah, and it's like it. it it was just so great at immersing me, making me feel this is a living world. I, I could not appreciate that enough. I know other games do similar things, but it just was never a detractor for me. It, uh, it never graded, and it was something I didn't want to like, I wish I could turn this off. I just loved it. And I did what you, yeah, like UMAX, like every new area I went to, was just like just a mandatory walking around and hearing everyone, what they're saying and stuff. Like, was, And I think a big part of it is that the localization that lends itself so well to the main cast. Also, they do their best with all these side characters. Mm -hmm. Like they try to give like all these like little characters you talk to moments and things like the teacher who you meet at another area at the end who comes back to being a teacher and like all these all these tiny things that are sprinkled throughout each of the big towns of the game. And that just is just complemented with the fact that they they get it. Like we need we need a way to open up the world of Final Fantasy VII without giant exposition dumps. Yeah. And I kind of love that there's no written text dialogue in the game like at all. Mm -hmm. There's subtitles, yeah, but what you hear about everything is coming from the words of the people in each sector or you know the upper plate or whatnot. So you're like 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 a normal person. You're just walking by and you just hear people talking about how Avalanche blew something up, and some person heard like, "Well, I heard they're actually hurting the planet." And like, "Nah, that's bullshit." There, yeah. there's some crazy terrorists, and you hear all these different perspectives throughout the whole game. Uh, Max, on that very specific point, I was remarking to my wife. I was like, "This is this is amazing that that everything is spoken and there's so much dialogue." And I just, I looked over and I said, like, other games just can't do this. Like, they just don't have the budget, budget for, for like, sure. A lot, of, yeah. a lot of games wish they could. That's uh, where they but, felt like they were throwing money at the screen. Right, right, totally. Um, the, the, a slight criticism that I have, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying about the conversations. I feel like in Sector 5 specifically, there were moments where, like, I would walk forward and it would just be like, Yes. Three different conversations oh, happening yeah, at for once, sure. and it would be like a wall of sound. Even during like, like mid-cutscene, it would happen too. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, ah, uh, this could be like spread out a little, a little bit more. Better, Maybe it doesn't sure. have to be quite as much. But. You remember the for audio sure. balancing, like the dialogue balancing in Final Fantasy XV? How that was super weird, how characters were sort of cutting each other off, and <laughs> no one, was, every people were like trying to get their words in while you were continuing as a character, and <laughs> mm -hmm. then they were cutting each other off again. Hate that. It's like there's there's definitely a much better balance of that in this game, but it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And I do like this whole proximity audio thing relative to your character, but when you start running, it falls apart. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like when you when you just cook it through a town, it's like oh, I'm just running. Yeah, like everyone, like whoa, whoa, holy sh, what, what, what was that? But if you walk through it, it's like kind of okay. Uh, I have a very particular question, Max, that you made me think of that it's not relevant to this conversation at all, but I, I, it's something I haven't been able to ask anybody. So there's that one teacher who becomes a dancer. She's like a bee. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you see her later and she's a teacher and you never talk about it again. Is there any more of that? I don't think so. I think I, I spoke to her again. So mm -hmm. I was like, 
So how about last night at the uh, Honeybee Inn? <laughs> and she doesn't. And it's, like, you, all, it's right? like the character doesn't acknowledge it because she's like, please don't tell the game. Yeah, she's trying like, to hide it. The game it. doesn't give you the yeah. option. Like, no, you're just not going to tell. I thought it was cool, right? It. She kind of like hints that she's got some plans tonight. And then you just see her in yeah. some alleyway. You got to like tuck in behind. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. Alleyway, dude. Dude. It's super sketchy. She's like having a cigarette <laughs> yeah. or something. But that added so much to that character and you can just completely miss it. Oh, mm-hmm. I love yeah. I loved that. And it yeah. also is like not like everybody just stays in their one little NPC city too i like that right. you know, yeah all the stuff out. oh like johnny and stuff like that my god dude like yeah. the stuff they do with johnny is just mm-hmm. so much fun like mm-hmm. the, the the thing that when johnny showed up and he started being a character he has like one of my favorite moments at the very beginning of the game that is like crucial for the character development and it's the part where tifa tells cloud you're scaring me and i'm like this scene is fantastic. I hope I hope this isn't the end of Johnny because this character is very sporadic in the original Final Fantasy VII and he barely has much he does. He just sort of shows up at some random places and he sort of like follows you from Sector Seven. But the way they sprinkled him in when you eventually get to Wall Market, not really a spoiler, but when you eventually get to Wall Market, uh, he's there a lot. And I just, it made me realize this is Yakuza. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Just playing. Yes. Walmart. Just is... playing Yakuza at this point. It's FF7 Yakuza. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Kamarocho. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, quick clarif- uh, clarification for you, Max. You you can say spoilers for anything you want for the, the remake yeah. and stuff. Gotcha. I was. Okay. I, I just was not wanting to spoil too. anything that happens beyond what we saw in this in the remake in the original game. This is spoiler gotcha, okay. mode, baby. But, I like, think yeah. We're spoiling the shit. <laughs> it's all on the table, yeah. dude. So OG, I guess OG Final Fantasy VII spoilers are open as well. Yes. So well, okay. you, don't, yes. don't, don't, feel, don't feel restricted by that. Yeah. Uh, I also feel like... Oh, I, oh, I won't. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> like, remake... <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. ...necessitates talking about the original Final Fantasy oh, VII. Sh- like, yeah, like... They show flashes... Yeah. Of oh, they, 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 yeah, they, they, they absolutely, absolutely like, do. So, but they, I just so want to make it totally clear for you. I want to make it clear for Max, because I, I I know how you do your stuff, Max. Like, you, yeah. wait, you say on camera, like, okay, now we're going to talk about spoilers. Like, you are free to say whatever you want, like... Spoilers I'm good because really loud. <laughs> that that's that's very good because there's a there's a moment where I have to like get a barometer from all of you guys yeah, on yeah. what level you are on this game's story because mm-hmm. there's a surface level understanding of like the events that transpire and the things that happen and then there's like level two and then there's level three and then there's like huge giant omega brain level four so I and then everyone's on level one when you start and you don't really see these things <laughs> but this this game does something that I adore when it comes to storytelling, and it's that its subsequent playthroughs are dramatically affected with perspective. Mm -hmm. Dramatically in Final Fantasy VII Remake. If you go back and you start listening to what characters say and how events transpire and who's talking to what and how they're talking to who, things are put in a completely different light than, oh, this is just the original Final Fantasy VII as a remake. And it gets much deeper than that with, with a lot of subtext and a whole bunch of proof. Like there are so many things that people are finding throughout the story that are just, what the hell is yeah. going on? This is the like, stuff I want to get into. I want to get into this. Oh, geez, uh, man. Max, you're talking about the levels of where we're at. Max, I'm a, I'm a Kingdom Hearts fan, dude. Like I'm level, I know. I'm level five on this thing. And like, here's, six, five, and I, six. I appreciate I'm out that. of my mind right now. So, and I appreciate that because like everyone's like, oh, you're getting Nomura, you're getting Nomura. Everyone's saying that. I'm like, so there's a big, I feel like there's a big difference in FF7 remake dude, of us getting Nomura. It's so much already, different. 
we, we know the scale, we know the perspective, we know where the story is like going. Like we have, an, we have an idea already that there is going to be a conclusion that makes a tolerable amount of sense. And also the other big one is that we're invested as shit. It is why we're talking about this. It's why I've watched about seven or eight different podcasts of people in the exact same position we are, just like losing their minds, mm-hmm. like upset, distracted, emotionally compromised. Like people love it. They tell you they don't love it. Like the amount of conversations that are happening at the end of this game is like different than any game I've ever played. And that's because people are on all these different levels. And I hear these conversations of people that, oh, they didn't figure out that yet. Oh God, they don't know about this. Oh, they didn't catch that. Like once they figure that out, it's like, I wonder what they think. Or what if they're ever going to find that out? If they just are going to leave the game and then not pay attention to any of it. So I'm so glad that like, I I couldn't do Kingdom Hearts because- Oh, it's crazy. It's not for everybody. That's for sure. Yeah, like the characters. And I, I see why people like all of like Kingdom Hearts weird stilted dialogue and all that stuff. Like it's practically its identity now. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they just went exemplary with it in Kingdom Hearts 3. So- my issue is that there's no characters for me to like want to sure. see them do well. There, there is a lot of conversation where people are like, oh man, they just went batshit crazy in the last 10%. And it seems and, that way. Right. Well, because I, I, I had this feeling when I was first playing through it where something would happen, I'd be like, oh, that's weird. And then I would immediately go into like, oh man, they're recreating the scene that I know super well. Like you would just sure. kind of put it in the back of your mind. First time I saw the, whispers, I was like, is that? Yeah. Was that part of the, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that kind of reaction. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> but then once you have the knowledge of the ending, it's like, no, they were really like, even maybe heavy handily setting this up throughout the entire game. Like they yeah. were leaning into this. It's not like it did come completely out of nowhere. Were they doing the flashes it, like forward? of the visions, like Cloud seeing the stuff, and like even the Advent Children shots, I was just like, holy shit, dude, I need to take a second. So this is the, that's the kind of perspective I've been trying to like tell people, because people like jump in there like, that's so weird and dumb and it doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, okay, so here's the thing. The, I call them the plot ghosts, and that's just what they are, mm-hmm. right? The plot ghosts are the most obvious and aggressive thing in the game mm-hmm. that, is, that is essentially trying to intervene and manipulate the story. And that's the one that you notice and you're like, I hate this. Even me understanding what the plot ghosts are and what they, what they do and why they're doing it, I still am like, I don't like the way they they're just implemented feel in like it. They're, they're implemented. They're kind of like, like the a weird wall that just come, comes up like blocking materia and you're just like, wait, why? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a literal wall, yeah. 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 They're literal, like, like, like in, in, in moments they literally get in the way of you getting materia yeah. and stuff like that. I'm like, get the hell out of here, this stupid yeah. ghost. It's not going to change the timeline. Give me, where's my game? Like, get out of the way. So I, I felt that during the playthrough. But I've come to, like, realize that they're not as, like, there's, like, the level one. Like I said, there's multiple levels to this. So, so, so Kyle, I'll give you some perspective on, like, where me and Brad are kind of at right here. Sure. The plot ghosts when you beat the game are obviously, like, meta, right? They have this oh, perspective yeah. where it's like, oh, they're, they're representing of, like, the fans. And it's the developers need to, like, create something new because even if you're remaking something, you have to put a spin on it that feels fresh or else you just get bored because you just feel like you're repeating the past. And the plot ghosts represent fans and they, they are there to preserve what their legacy is and all this stuff. And it, it really feels that way. And I'm sure you probably felt that way upon like beating the game too, right? It was actually what I was hoping they were. It was, I feel like when you get to Shinra HQ, there's, you start to get it. You start to yeah. get their intent. Yeah. And I was like, man, what if these things are trying to make sure the first game happens? And I thought they were like maybe good guys. And then it's very yeah. clear that it's like, hey, maybe it's not a good thing if the original events happen. 
Yeah. I think you can even see that in the way in which they prevent they present Shinra itself and like very make slowly make you go through and look at everything. I, I also think it can be a, a, a metaphor in that way. Like people are interpreting the ghosts where it's like commenting on how preciously you view things, I guess. Yeah. And like uh, that's, and that's the exact perspective that you should have upon first beating the game. And it, and it, and to me, it felt the same way where it's like, man, I really didn't like the plot ghosts. And then somebody tells you, Sephiroth is from the future. And you're like, what? Excuse me? Like, Sephiroth is Advent Children's Sephiroth. He's going back to Final Fantasy VII, Thanos style, to stay alive. Because he knows he's going to die. And you're like, you've now reached level two. <laughs> what? Excuse me? Like, and then you start thinking about the, the plot ghosts. And the, the big realization I had was when somebody said, they were holding Aerith in place at the beginning so Cloud could meet her. And I'm like, huh, you're, and I'm like, yeah, I was kind of perturbed by the opening scene of Cloud meeting Aerith. You don't get like the kind of sweet, you know, solemn scene that they sort of exchange a flower and move their separate ways and then bump into each other just because it's their, right? It's their eventual fate. But now she's like freaking out and things are all different and Cloud's essentially like forced to meet her because of how like disturbed she is, right? But what happened right before that? Do you remember, like the big event that happened right as, right before Cloud uh, saw Aerith? Is that walking through the fire mm. sequence with Sephiroth? It is cool. It is yeah. absolutely so much different than the original Final Fantasy VII. You have to start thinking about things in perspective now that we know Sephiroth's from the future. Anything different from the original game is Sephiroth screwing with the past. So he delayed Cloud, basically. He just wasted Absolutely. more of his time. He literally <laughs> led him into a corner, spewed some lies about him saving the planet and that we have to save it together just so he would never meet Aerith. <laughs> yeah. And if you go back and you start paying attention to the plot ghosts and where Sephiroth is and what the things he are doing throughout the entire game, it actually lines up. Like the reason, one of the most confusing ones to me is like, why are all the plot ghosts around uh, when the plate's about to fall? And then you have to fight plot ghosts before you get to uh, the tower. And then you have to like fight these things. Like, like all the characters are like, get the hell out of the way. It's because right when you get to the tower after the plot ghosts, Biggs falls down. And that's the exact moment when the characters get there in the original game. So they were getting the characters to the tower when they needed to be so they don't run up it too soon. Mm -hmm. It's like, Every single time the plot ghosts actually come into effect, it's because Sephiroth butterfly affected the shit out of the original timeline of Final Fantasy VII. He messed stuff up that starts screwing other things up, that starts screwing other things up, that affects all the stuff that sort of starts going throughout the original game. And they're like a defense of the planet to get everything back in order because some things aren't natural anymore as Sephiroth is a virus and we have to like fix all of his problems. I got a, I got a question then because uh, I swear at one point there was one that was like hovering over Cloud's face and like sucking on it and it was yes. like dream for me or something. I can't remember. Yeah. It says, it says uh, uh, dream the sweetest of dreams. What? And what happens what is right after right after that, it's the only time one of them talk and people are already, I, I watched an interpretation of this scene and people are saying it sounds like Sephiroth is talking to him, but I don't know exactly. I'd have to like watch it a few more times. Yeah. But that's, that's happening because right after that, the entire group of Avalanche is getting attacked by the ghosts and they have that big fight out scene in the middle of, you know, Seventh Heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens to Jesse 
during all that. She gets injured and she's unable to go on the mission. It was revealed before that Cloud is not going on this mission anymore. That Sephiroth's butterfly effect of stuff has affected that in some way. So now the ghosts have to find a way to get Cloud to go on this mission because it's critical because he's got to fall down and meet Aerith, mm -hmm. right? He has to go to there and fight Airbuster and do all that stuff. So what do they do? They, they literally make him sleep in. Yeah. They literally make it so that he doesn't immediately go out and start fighting all the ghosts and stuff like that. And Max, then they that makes so much sense. It just wanted him to sleep. Mm -hmm. Yep, they just want him to sleep. It's not even, it's not even like a crazy thing. You just, you, dude, it's... <laughs> Uh, once I realized this, I'm like, holy shit, I don't hate the ghosts anymore. They're yeah. still like, I don't like the way they're implemented. But when yeah. you start looking at everything they do, and then later on, like when we start talking about the things they they really start doing, which is which actually even more reveals what what this how, how this actually does make sense. I didn't hate them as much. Sure. I still don't like their implementation. I think the game would have been completely fine without them because, and I know I'm going on for a long time. I want to let you guys talk. Uh, because the the things in the game that are already telling the player what's going on, like with the story, that this is that things are different, you accept it because they were cool. Plot ghosts aren't cool. They're like aggressive mm -hmm. and they're in your face and they're blocking you. And they're not However, fun to fight. They're not fun. Like they're, they're they're like the antithesis of fun. It's the planet like trying to stop things from from happening or make things happen. But you didn't notice that Sephiroth showing up early is a completely different thing than the original him meddling with stuff and showing up in, in visions different than the original Final Fantasy VII, you were okay with because it was cool. And Cloud also can see the future somehow. And you're like, why can Cloud see the future? Mm. Oh, it's just a storytelling thing. That's neat. That's really crazy that Cloud has visions of stuff that's going to happen to him. Those are really emotionally resonant scenes. But then you realize that Sephiroth's from the future as well. And it's like the planet talking to him this shit is bad, like warning, like things are warning the player, but you accepted it as the player because it's cool. It's like nice storytelling stuff. Only after you beat the game, you realize like, wait a minute. Oh my God, there were so many things trying to warn us of what's going on here, but you didn't realize because plot ghosts are big and aggressive, you know? So I, I think no matter how much you try to contextualize all that stuff and, you know, ascending through the levels as you characterized it. I'm not actually sure that that, that makes it a better game. And what I mean by that is like, sometimes it feels like the ways you can appreciate seven remake are fighting each other a little bit because you can almost appreciate it as a diehard fan who is looking for an expansion you can almost appreciate it as a brand new player with no knowledge and you can almost appreciate it as a metaphor for the fans, but it doesn't feel like it's completely any one of those things. Yeah. Specifically it, the plot ghosts, right? Right. Yeah. So, oh, I agree. So I, I think there is a little bit of, of, of frustration and a, a lack of satisfaction when it comes to it, not it, it, it does in a way feel like it's trying to walk down all of these different paths simultaneously. And I get, why they're trying to do that. And I think that comes back into expectation, but there are definitely times, I think, especially at the ending where I, 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 I want a clearer idea of exactly what their intent is. Yeah. And I think that will come to light in the sequels. And that's why I'm like, oh, yeah. this game, whether, whether I ultimately like or dislike this will come down to the sequels. But oh, I, yeah. I do think there is like, from an audience perspective, I do think there are some themes that are fighting with each other a little bit. This game is definitely like, hey, when you beat it, you're not going to know everything. And I like, I'm okay with that in a lot of games, but I could definitely see where people, people want 
like definitive answers for a lot of things. Like we're not going to know, like everything we talk, we're talking about right now could be completely wrong for all we know. Yeah. Like, things could completely could change be. or it could be exactly what we're talking about. But I think people are definitely feeling the frustration of having like a clear vision of what's happening. Right. And like some people just don't like the don't like stories that are essentially left open ended, right. especially stories where you know like what happens. There's like a comfort in knowing what happens and and just watching it recreated. And then suddenly, when you realize that things are happening differently and aggressively, like like the plot ghosts. Like I said, I don't. I would have been so much happier probably with the plot elements of this story if it was just Sephiroth sort of being shown up early and meddling with Cloud just to a, a deeper extent than he does in the original and cloud having visions of the future, you know, and that, cause they mm -hmm. essentially do the same thing. It's like, it's like giving you hints that the characters are somewhat aware of what's going on. But that's like, like I said, that's all around like level two kind of stuff. And I, but I completely agree with you, uh, Ben on that, that I just, I just think the, the thematic handling of it is not, and what it builds up to, it's like a dump truck in the end. <laughs> like, it's like you're playing FF7 and this remake is great. And then, ah, poof, this dump truck lies in and just dumps everything on you. You're like, mm -hmm. all right. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I, it feels, to me, it's like part of the video game medium. You know what I mean? It's like, give me something to fight. Give me a yeah. big, crazy thing to fight. I think it's, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's kind of like what they all accumulate into. I don't know if you guys agree with this, uh, but just trying to put it in the perspective, because I was actually playing this with somebody who had no experience with Final Fantasy VII. And the point that kept coming up with her was, why is Sephiroth doing any of this? And like, with what you're saying, Max, and, and obviously there are things that they're going to make more specific, but I think what's kind of frustrating about Sephiroth's portrayal in part one- Lack of setup. We, we get very clear motivations for each character, and knowing the original Final Fantasy VII, Sephiroth has very, very good reasons for doing what he's doing in relation to his character, but you just have no idea. Like, if you've never played this game before, you have zero mm -hmm. idea yeah. why Sephiroth is doing anything that he's doing. So, I, and I completely agree with you. Like, I had to put myself in the perspective, and, and especially in the end, it hits you really hard, where it's like, this will make zero sense to anyone that right. has any idea. Who the hell is this dude that... And uh, since we're in spoilers, mm -hmm. who the hell is this dude that shows up that looks like Cloud, right? Mm -hmm. who, what the hell is yeah. going on? What, wait, he's holding Cloud? Like, who? what the hell is going on? And I had, like, an epiphany about it last night, I thought back to my original Final Fantasy VII playthrough, like when I was super young. Mm. I remember feeling this before. Who the hell is this guy that looks like Cloud? Yeah. And it's the same reaction I had when you see the picture in FF7 and you realize that, wait a minute, who the hell is that? That's what? So it's, it's like, I, I almost feel like maybe they're trying to emulate that feeling in the mm. end and then amplify it when you realize eventually that, holy shit, like, they switch spots like like type of like it'll actually make that moment even heavier when you actually understand when uh when you real realize what cloud is so and i i do agree with you on sephiroth's like origin stuff like not giving any motivation to the character and then i'm also like i'm, I'm just trying to like i i really have done a lot of thinking in terms of how new players would see this and i feel like sephiroth is the darth vader of this game Right. Yeah. He's just this evil guy in the first episode and he does all this evil shit 
And our, our good guys obviously hate him. And he's definitely like everything wrong with the world. And Aerith is there to literally tell you everything about this guy is wrong. So that the part two can show up where you find out a lot about where he comes from, a lot about what he does, and eventually what he's going to do for, quote unquote, what will be the Empire Strikes Back of Final Fantasy VII's potential trilogy. Max, you make such a good point because I think about the one of my favorite scenes in the original Final Fantasy VII where you're just traveling along the world map and there's that giant fucking snake and this thing is a pain in the ass and then Sephiroth kills it, right? Like a very Darth Vader moment as you're describing. Sets up the menace, sets up the mystery. You don't really have a great understanding of Sephiroth at that point. I totally think that that is what they're doing. I, I agree with you. But I also just realized, I think me criticizing some of these things and, and apprehension about how they're paying it off is not really with Final Fantasy VII Remake itself. It's a lack of confidence with Square Enix as a company. Yeah. Like, like, like playing Kingdom Hearts 2 in 2005 and then playing Kingdom Hearts 3 in 2019. <sighs> like, I, I think it just comes from like feeling burned or just like feeling a lot of really long waits. And I, there's, I, there's that apprehension. And I've had like a lot of conversations with my chat over the past few days about this where people have no faith, right? Mm -hmm. They don't, sure. they're like this, I have no faith that this is going to come out any good. And I'm like, right. and I, I tell them what was 95% of this game? amazing storytelling, incredible combat, fantastic mm -hmm. music, and, and like environments that look great, obviously aren't the deepest, most complex environments ever. And that's something we could definitely talk about too. But the majority of this game hit the notes that were impossible to hit. Like things that were up, expectations that were so high. So why would suddenly in the next game, all that stuff go away? It's not even that it'll go away. It's just, when are we going to get it? Like I, I don't uh, even know how many parts this game is going to be. Yeah, I think it'll be probably be three parts, honestly. I mean, I think three makes sense. They're already working on it, which is nice to know. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. they've made some of the groundwork. I just have faith, much more faith in it now based off what this actually became. Yeah, like, when I, I look back, when I look back at what Remake was in like 2016, like you were saying like, well, they just finished writing the scenario and Nomura didn't even know he was directing. And it's just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And like this, like what we got came after that. Really, in, in the grand scheme of things, I, I think this game, like, hard development-wise, like, creating of, like, art assets and, and technical combat mechanics and, like, the, the meat and bones was about, like, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Because right around 2016, they had that, that mock-up from CyberConnect2 that was at PlayStation Experience, yeah, that trailer. Yeah, yeah and that, that trailer was, like, way more than we thought we were going to get because CyberConnect2 works fast, right? Those guys mm -hmm. are gods at, at pumping stuff out. But then later in development, at like the end of 2016 and early, we found that, oh, the scenario isn't even done. Oh, God. Like, oh, God, development has now completely shifted. We're now taking things entirely in-house. And that was like almost two years after the announcement. So it was like, what the hell is going on? So theoretically and internally, they had like two and a half to three years actual development time to make this. And just like, you know, actual workflow, like hitting milestones mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And if you start thinking about it with like that perspective, I'm like, they did a pretty good job. Like all things considered, if that was the time frame they had to work with, I'm kind of shocked that they got so much done so fast. And at least we hope for the sequel, because I think the sequel is going to be, I mean, we can have a separate conversation about this. I think the sequel is going to be open world a la FF15. I think that's the way you surprise people. And I think they're already like ready to Dude, do Damiani that. Damiani is like, I, 
do Skin not think that out. at all. All right. I, 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 I feel I mean, it's po- I, I'll say it's possible, Max. It absolutely is within the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the more, the more reasonable approach is that they will probably have, we saw the environments that you traveled in between like the, the main sectors here. Like you'd have sure. like these paths and they don't necessarily need to be like straight linear corridors, but like there'll be environments uh, mm-hmm. They might be a little bit more open, but like I don't think it's be seamless. I don't even think it would be like MMO size or anything like that. There will probably be like environments that lead you on the path towards your next destination, and it's something you could backtrack through. But like yeah. I don't think they're going to go for the concept of like a coherent overworld like that. I, you I mean think, like I, I think that is something. I have an idea for something later on, but with yeah. the airship because we'll ask about that for later. But like yeah. I just don't see them going fifteen direction for the overworld. Um, you mean I like Final too, Fantasy ten, ten slash twelve ish, right? 10, like twelve, more towards tw- like, well, like sort of medium size between maps ten and twelve, like somewhere yeah. split the difference between those two. Like not yeah. as like straightforward as ten, but not as like open as twelve. I do because think, like I think they'll give you chances to branch though, Max. Because yeah, to clarify all the stuff you just talked about with the, the ending, what ifs and stuff. I think they just needed to dangle a care in front of like veterans saying you need to like expect the unexpected. Like we can't have you thinking everything is going to literally happen exactly the same way. Yes. 85% of this game or 90% of the game was the same with fleshed out stuff that was, a, you were believable. That's what we're, like what we were, you believe we were just going to do this anyway, but we still mm-hmm. need to have some kind of shock value here. And I think that will materialize in parts of part two and part three. But I think for the most part, they're going to still hit the major story beats and locations as uh-huh. is. But yeah. like I, I, I took it as like some of that messaging was like, hey, we need some freedom because a we're not making a giant open overworld because that's you think that's not she's that. gonna live. No, I don't. You don't. I absolutely okay. do not think that at all. I, yeah, I, I there's definitely the different boats now. Like the, the, so here, there's the she's gonna live. Do you want to uh, real quick? I think uh, the whole thing, like, I think the whole thing is gonna be you will have a decision. If you do not let her die, you will ultimately come out to a bad outcome in part three, whatever. Or that yeah. will lead to something bad, but in order to maintain like what needs to happen for like for the planet to be saved, unless you come up yeah. with an alternative idea, whatever. I think they might make because you know this moment's supposed to happen. It's not like you'll this have the, you'll the feels and the tears, but do but like, you now? You still think it's going to happen at the same point. I think the mystique the the mystique about this needs to be it happens differently. It might happen at a different point, and like how it goes down might be different. Yeah. I was even saying, like, they, like because Cloud now knows the future, maybe he's like Sephiroth doesn't want to do it. You have to do it, or something, like, or, or like some right. crazy shit like that. At least a twist. That'd be crazy. Sick. Would that be? Co- yes. Compendium. Who who thinks that? So much. Who thinks that she has to to live, Kyle? I do. I, I don't think live? she has to live. Or she's gonna. I'm sorry, she's gonna. I think it's a. I think it's an if or. I think you will have an option. I think they want to hurt us by killing someone else. Okay. I think they want. Is that, it, that's, I think they want to hurt dies. us again. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Brad, how do you feel? Max, I saw you talking about this one point. I'm pretty much with you on this point. I think the game is going to build up this this mindset and you going throughout the story that there might be a way to save her to change oh, the Brad outcome. Oh, Brad gets it. Oh, Brad but gets it. <laughs> the, her death is so important for the story and for the rest <laughs> of the characters. It's she. 
Okay, big brain. She knows she has to die. She will eventually know she has to die, and it will Brad happen. Hit level three. But even more Brad, crazy. Brad's on level three. Okay, so there's Sephiroth from the the post Avid children Sephiroth. There, I was thinking maybe there's even current Sephiroth still in the crater going on right now. Has to. Be. Oh, absolutely. So there could be the past Sephiroth in the future Sephiroth. The past Sephiroth <laughs> could intervene and kill Eris still somehow. So here's 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 the thing that I think is like sort of confusing about all that. Sephiroth still shows up regardless of him being Advent Children Sephiroth, like a Sephiroth from the future, he still shows up in the same exact ways in Final Fantasy VII Remake as he does in the classic. Yeah. He's a vision. He's manifested through clones. Because Sephiroth at this point in the story, and even in the original FF7, is essentially cellular. Anything that's got like Genova cells in him, he can essentially manipulate or just like sort of exist in a not as powerful state. That's like the whole point of Advent Children is that these th stupid three kids that are pieces of Sephiroth are not him. Mm -hmm. And they, they just, they, they want to be him, but they're like, they're, the remnants are sad because they'll, their mother will never love them as much because they're not Sephiroth. So that's like, he's still that. It's just that it's like Sephiroth got fed this information from the future. It's like Genova knows what's going to happen or found a way to get information from the future and through the live stream. And it's, it's communicated a lot, even in the original FF7. I've been reading the original script a whole bunch. That fate is a big talking point about time. In, when Bugenhagen talks about the live stream, like there's already, there's already hints that this stuff is already connected to, to time, right? That things are but, constant, that they can't, but, but the, the planet is in control of it. Doesn't that undermine your point of Aerith having to die, especially if we're considering a different timeline with Zack? So where, yeah, the, the, where the like you can you can argue that Aerith needing to die is just as vital as Zach needing to die. Like yes, I and yes, I agree. So I I'll go and do you want me to go into level three now? Yeah, you guys let's, let's dive Dude, in. I'll, All right. I'll, no, we're, let's just go to six. Like why are we dicking around? <laughs> I, I don't think it, I don't I don't think it goes to six. I think four is like <laughs> the furthest I've seen somebody take it. Yeah, and I, but level three I think is actually where it gets pretty interesting. Okay. Um, play through the game a second time and really pay attention to what Aerith says. Aerith everything. is super aware of what's going on, yes. of what needs to happen. And by the time she's at the end of the game, she's like a different person. She's like a different, completely aware person. She's, she has these moments where they're like, Aerith? And she's sitting there just doing this stuff, literally talking to the planet. It's like she doesn't know what the whispers are at the beginning, but by the time the end of the game happens, she literally touches Red 13 and tells him everything what they are. So throughout the events of Final Fantasy VII Remake, Aerith is communicating to the planet and the planet is dishing her information of what is happening, what's going to happen, and she is completely like on board. She's like, all right, well, we got to hit these, these, these notes. You can't fall in love with me. I'm yeah. going to tell you that this is important. Everything about him is wrong. Everything she says is aware. And the part that I love about it is that we only have two characters in this game that actually know what's going on. It's the two characters that are connected to the planet the most, Sephiroth and Aerith. And they're essentially trying to undermine each other at this point. It's like Aerith is the one thing that's actually keeping the entire party safe, and Sephiroth is the one thing on the planet that is trying his hardest just to stop them. So I, I, I agree and I kind of disagree, because I do agree that, that Aerith gets more 
decisive as the storyline goes along and more aware. And I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but there's a difference between the way Aerith is presented and Sephiroth is presented. Sephiroth never shows any ambiguity ever. He's like, I know what is happening. I know what I'm doing. Aerith definitely does for as much, for as many times as she says, like, I know what these things are. I can explain them. I'm talking to the planet. Don't fall in love with me. All that stuff does happen. She does have lines where she says, we have to go against destiny. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where this is going to lead this. I don't completely understand. Like there is some uncertainty there, even very late into the game. So, and I, I, I do on, on surface, that's like, that's like level two. I do agree with you, Sephiroth. This, this, dude, this shit goes deep. Are you ready? No, no. I, I, all I, try, I, I no. I agree with you because I was at I was at where you were at. I've been through this shit. It's been a crazy forty eight hours. There is, uh, and I'm going to talk about music. Uh, there is some super, very much story spoilery stuff that goes on with music. And if you, the first one I'm going to say is right at the beginning. And after you meet Sephiroth, a really specific track plays. It's a track that's not in the original Final Fantasy VII. It's called The Promised Land. And it's a track that plays when Kadaj dies and at the beginning of Advent Children. And it's sort of summarizing that this is, this is, this is an alien. This stuff is not happening normal than what's going on. The other big one, I'm like forgetting one other. But the other big one is at the end. And this is where Sephiroth has ambiguity. At the end, Sephiroth talks completely different when you're at the precip of creation edge like the edge of creation yeah. sephiroth genuinely is a different person there like he's talking like to, to cloud that uh, completely different than the way he's like super preachy and doing all this stuff like throughout the game and he sounds high and mighty he's actually talking like he knows cloud he's like seven seconds what are you going to do with it like he's <laughs> he's a different sort of person but <laughs> the theme that's playing there i i read i saw this last night and i didn't even realize it it's the city of the ancients theme He's literally playing the music from City of the Ancients where Aerith dies in these moments where he's telling him how critical all this stuff is going to be. And he's just fucking with Cloud. And I, th I think the whole point is that he, he needs to get Cloud to be as vulnerable as possible. He's setting him up to, to essentially fail so much harder than the original game does. Like he knows that the original game he fails and he still dies. But I, it really feels like Sephiroth and his manipulator shit which is what he does in spades in the original ff7 and like later in later installations he's just dude that chops up buildings and shit and you're like okay sephiroth he's just this big crazy badass but in ff7 he's a manipulator and in, in this game it really feels like they they hammer that shit home because he is just the entire game fucking with cloud you got another question seven? actually oh. uh okay so this was the part that was like craziest to me this is where it's like okay all bets are off is when you get a flash forward to the end credit scene of Final Fantasy VII. You see Red Thirteen running with his child. Yeah. Yes. And he's like, "That's the future if we fail today." That's the bad end. The bad ending. Yeah. Yeah. So, the original game. I mean, yeah. There's some interpretations that uh, OG, the original game's ending, what it actually is now in retrospect, because people just assume, oh, having children's like the, yeah. having children's a direct sequel, so everyone lives. Like now, people are reevaluating the original game, saying. What if the OG timeline ending actually is humanity gets wiped Kitase, out? Yeah. And like Tase yeah. did say in an interview like a long time ago that the end of Final Fantasy VII, 500 years in the future, is a world devoid of humans. 
So that's a good ending to me. Yeah, I mean, in current in current situational retrospect, I mean, okay. I love this stuff because of your point about replayability, though, Max. Like going down through again and catching all this stuff, like and like it's gonna getting people to talk about this until the next installment comes out because like the seven seconds. Like people are like, oh, that's a, someone timed it. That's exactly how long it takes for Sephiroth to kill Aerith in the scene. Yeah, the game. it's seven seconds. Like it is. Yeah. Like, what will you do with Holy that? And just playing shit. the music from this. Yeah, it's from that part. However, the the seven seconds line is not referring to Aerith's death. I I thought the exact same thing. I watched the videos. It was like the Reddit thread. I was like, Jesus! Almost like on on point. There's a hidden text in the game. There's no shit. Dark Souls levels of hidden text in the game. You go back to chapter select and you look at that final thing where you're talking to to Sephiroth on like the edge of creation the game tells you sephiroth gives cloud a cryptic message about seven seconds before the end of the world mm -hmm. and i think he says end so, of the world even in the conversation he, he says something that like it's kind of ambiguous in the conversation you, you feel like you know what he's talking about because it's on the edge of creation you're looking at space you're like what is this big space thing i'm looking at like what is going on here the game tells you if you go back to chapter select and you read it that they're specifically talking about that moment is the the could, end of everything i mean you could Take it literally, but you could also take it as a metaphor as like the death of Aerith is the end of Cloud's world to him. Because Maybe. It, taking yeah. it metaphorically. In, in, in Advent Children, the whole thing is about like he can't get over the death and he feels like he let right. her die Guilty. and stuff. So like if Advent Children is this game's future and that Sephiroth is from this future, then like those like you have to believe that like Cloud might end up in that state where like he carries this weight that he just cannot yeah. shed. To me, I'm yeah. I'm like positive this is some Harry Potter stuff where it's gonna pay off many games from now. It won't even we won't even talk about the oh, seven dude. seconds in the next game. Oh I don't you, yeah, you yeah. guys are talking about level three and four shit, and I was like, oh, great, this is going to clear it up for me. I'm more confused now than I was before I started this fucking conversation. Ben, are you ready? Are, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm just waiting. Let's, Let's go, go deeper. So this, this level three to four essentially starts going into how the next games are going to be. Why is there an alternate timeline? What the fuck is Biggs doing alive? Is Jesse alive? Like, are they in the same world together? Like, why is this shit happening? And I will guarantee you, there are clear things that are, are not explained. Like Zach being alive, the only thing that we have definitive mm -hmm. evidence that Zach existence is not in the same world as Cloud <laughs> is the very obvious bag. Stamp. Right, yeah. like the yeah, stamp man. bag that flies by is a, and I, I went back to the game, it's a different bag, it's a different character. It's not another brand of bag. Like it says original on the top left. I'm like, well, maybe this one's like spicy stamp chips and the other one's original stamp chips and it's just a red herring. No, it's like very obviously showing that this world is different. Something, this, 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 this singularity event that was seen throughout all timelines changed everything uh, for what's, what's going on to our character. And that's the big yellow globe the with the sparkles? Okay. So, yeah, and I, I was confused by this for a while too. Like when, when all the, the wisps are essentially focused on Midgar because everything bad is happening at Midgar, right? Midgar is where our characters are supposed to go, but Sephiroth is there and he's messing with shit. All the wisps are covering Midgar like a dome. The cutscene they show immediately after is Zack walking around in the past. And he doesn't see it, but we see the same dome. It's not that the dome is happening in the past, it's that it's happening, period. It's transcending time. So no matter where our characters are at any time, this singularity that happens throughout the past, the future, the present, is going to affect everything. Butterfly effect, the same way Sephiroth did. So now when you get Zack and he fights all the dudes, the singularity blows up because the wisps are 
obviously occupied fighting our main party and it ends up that Zach lives. But that's still a different Zach, right? Mm -hmm. It's still fundamentally not the same cloud, not the same Zach. In some place in a, in a completely alternate existence, uh, Zach made it out and made it to Midgar with Cloud and Cloud becomes, I don't know, a barista or some shit. Like he's, they're gonna be different fundamental career. Wait, yeah. so, you know, assuming, assuming that, right, I think, I think it being a different timeline is pretty obvious, but who's to say how many permutations there are and the effect that they have on each other? Like is so, that- and that's where, that's where I, I don't have an answer for you. The handling of this timeline stuff is a very sketchy thing, right? We've, we've seen some fiction that obviously do this Back to the Future stuff because this game is very much Back to the Future too, right? We're going, we're going back and there's an alternate timelining now. There's the original events that we're trying to follow, but now our characters are in this weird middle path that they're trying to eventually fix. And then suddenly in the end, you realize there's another path that's being taken. And I, I, I don't think there's direct any evidence in the game to lead us to a conclusion that we know what's going to happen with Zach. Yeah. I think that is left super mm -hmm. ambiguous. Yeah, it's very intentional. So what's, what's interesting, though, is I did really, I would like wondered how he saw that, but the final area is called the singularity. Like, that's totally yes. fair, right? That, that yeah. absolutely makes sense. And the, the final chapter is the crossroads of destiny. It's talking the fact that Aerith and, and Zach are at a crossroad. They're not going to meet each other. It's like their destiny to meet each other, right? But they're just not going to because they are existing in two different realities. I bet there's a third point we have not seen yet. A third, a third timeline? Well, we've seen Zach in one spot. We've seen Cloud, Aerith, and the present with like future Sephiroth, if it's future... Mm -hmm. I think there's one more point because these things usually come in threes with like the, the time loop stuff. Like, yeah. to, like if they're going to like, if it's like closed or whatever loop, something like that. I bet at some point we see uh, a third spot where like the wisp, uh, wisp uh, the whispers are all like gathered together and like got obliterated and something else was changed. Cause I, well, I, I think this I is, I think a, Biggs is the other, there's the other thing they show that with. Like, well, right. The big thing is still, we're not sure whether or not that's in, future of Zach's timeline? No, we're is not. The, the, we're not. We're, mm -hmm. We don't know because we, just, we, don't, we don't see anything that clearly indicates that. I think what this really mean, tra will translate into potentially in the next part or parts is that I, I wouldn't be surprised if we jump around and play like a Zach. Like I fully expect to play a Zach yeah, in some part of the game now. Are we going to be Zach yeah. Laguna style where it's Absolutely. like suddenly Cloud falls asleep and then you wake up and you're Zach doing something completely different and then you're talking to Aerith or what's going on? Like I, how they handle that, I have no idea. Yeah, but I expect something like that at this point. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. I wanted to so, check in with 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 Brad really quick. Mm. Brad, is this kind of like the same conclusions that you were you were coming to based on all this yeah. stuff? Or is, this, is this deviating yeah. a lot? No, this is kind of. I've had a long a long time to think about all this. I did the review, so I had like a long time to think about this, and oh, I've yeah. kind of like, I've kind of been here. I've been watching your streams every now and then. Like I'm getting like the brain has been growing the levels. On some yeah, of it's those. like Bloodborne. It's like exactly. Uh, it's like I mean, I'm like, taking like insight Bloodborne right a now. Time. Yeah. yeah. So I go ahead, a, Ben. I had a theory that I was talking to people about. Um, that I actually think there are other characters in the game whose backstories are not critical to the plot, but could become critical to the plot based on mm -hmm. how they Ben gets it inter He's interact to get with it. the timeline. And I think I think Jesse is one of those characters. Oh, Ben I gets think, it. Yeah. I think Leslie is one of those characters. Where you're <laughs> like, because like I had a criticism, and I've had this criticism for days, where I'm like, okay, this Leslie storyline is interesting. 
but, but it, it sucks. feels it feels completely it sucks. pointless. Like I can't even I, I don't know why they're doing this, but if you go and you you talk you do this Laguna style storytelling that you're talking oh, about, yeah. History will- it is a way to illustrate oh, yeah. the changes in what is happening with these characters. Are you guys ready for more level three? Yeah, Are you guys ready? Let's try it. Here's here's how and this is this is more like predictions of why they did it and where it's going. Jesse Gold Saucer. Yeah, that's Jessie, right. I think she'll be in yep. the play there. Jesse uh, tells you constantly throughout the game that she wanted to be the leading lady of the Golden Saucer. The game yes. gives you all these moments and side story things that she just never got to have her dream and that she, she essentially dies uh, in, this, in this plight to save the world, but she never got to do, she never got to be the leading lady, you know? Mm-hmm. You and Cloud and everyone else are trying to get to Golden Saucer. You're repeating the events of Final Fantasy VII. You have more knowledge of what's going on. You get to the Golden Saucer, you go to the play, and Jesse is the leading lady in the play. And her dad is in the audience. And her dad is in the audience. <laughs> and they have no idea who you are. Yeah. The no they idea about no, who you are is interesting. No, I, no memory of what happened. No knowledge of like avalanche. The, the, the time thing has modified so much weird stuff throughout the, the world that like some things that should have transpired with certain characters that were being manipulated by the ghost just never happens. So now Jesse has no clue who Cloud or Barrett or anybody is. And they just like, what's going on? But guess what comes right after, soon after Golden Saucer to ask these really important questions? Boogenhagen at Cosmo Canyon. Yeah. And Boogenhagen's going to know exactly what the hell's going on. If anyone gonna, does, it'll gonna, be him. He's going to be the one yeah. that's going to be like, yeah. the, the, the time and the planet are one and the same. Like, they, like the future, past and present are, are don't mean nothing to the planet. Oh, like type of stuff. He's going to show you like the graph and shit. And it's like, he's going oh, oh, yes. to have his Doc Brown back to the <laughs> yeah. future too sort of thing where he goes through all the same stuff of the original game, describing life and everything like that. But Cloud's going to be like, I'm having visions. Like I'm seeing stuff that's not happening. I'm visioning myself killing Aerith. Right, like, because in the original game, Cloud has this extreme, these extreme moments where he almost kills Aerith in Temple of the Ancients. It's not handled well because it's like, bunk. Like he slaps her with yeah. a sword or something like that. But it's implied that like Cloud injures Aerith at Temple of the Ancients when the Black Materia shows up, that he just loses himself. And then obviously, before Aerith dies in the original, he almost kills her. Mm-hmm. He almost goes through the whole process. What they're setting up is that Cloud is going to still have visions of the future, but now he's going to have visions of this situation that is extremely emotional where he's the one that kills Aerith. He's the one that delivers the final blow. And they're going to sprinkle that throughout the whole game, and Cloud doesn't know what it means. He doesn't know if he's the one that's going to kill Aerith. He doesn't know who is it going to be. But the closer it gets to that moment, the more it's going to happen and the more he's going to realize, I'm not going to let it happen. I'm not going to be the one to do it. We are going to save her. He's going to have conversations with her even, right? There's going to be like moments where he is completely like aware of the original FF7. This is level three interpretation, but considering what they've set up, I truly feel like that's what they're setting up for so that she dies anyway, so that they take that away from you. Like the whole point of Sephiroth is that Sephiroth is giving the player the idea that you're in control. Gives me hope. Idea. Yeah. Ge- Sephiroth is giving you hope. Yes. What does Sephiroth give you? It gives you despair. Yeah. It gives you despair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, so, Advent Children is kicking in. Yeah, he like says that in Advent Children, something about he that. He literally does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Somebody, That's amazing. So fun. So fun. <laughs> but, but that makes me think, 
once, once, okay, so let's say everything happens as you're describing and you go and you have the conversation with Bugenhagen and all this is revealed. Does that mean the remake will still care about the black materia or will oh, that yeah. storyline? Mm-hmm. Like it is, it is any, has anything changed at this point that Sephiroth's body still needs to get the black materia to summon meteor that Sephiroth still needs to become like one with the live stream and stuff. It so doesn't change have anything. To, will they have to fight two Sephiroths? Uh, well, th- think of it like this, like, like I was saying earlier, this Sephiroth that's still showing up and going to be manipulating Cloud and in his head, is that much different than the original FF7? No. It's not. Like, yeah, it's just that Sephiroth knows more on a cellular level, which is Sephiroth now, and now on a, on a level that controls time, Sephiroth understands what's going to happen to him. It's not like a literal Thanos situation where he like, you know, time stone type stuff. And I went there and I came back and I'm a different version. You can think of Sephiroth as being like a constant. Like he is just, he is now a constant permutation. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. We lost him. Oh God. Sephiroth didn't like that. Sephiroth didn't like that. Sephiroth didn't like that. He was silencing you. Square's sending me, Square's disappeared and over your camera. They're DDoSing me. So right, like he's a constant. So it's not like you're fighting, oh, I'm specifically fighting Advent Children, Sephiroth. You're just fighting a Sephiroth that knows way more, that is like capable of more because since Sephiroth is just a, a manifestation until you get to the top of the planet. He doesn't have the power to drop meteor and just start start shit immediately. He still needs cloud for something. We don't know what, but he needs. He, and it could be obvious, like he just needs cloud to, to bring be in the material to bring in the material. Maybe it's as obvious as the original game, but it seems pretty clear that if Sephiroth's aware of the events of the original game, his scope is going to be way different. Like he's going to want to do things that are that are way different. Is this making any sense, Ben? Yes, it's making complete sense. And he wanted okay. the squad to kill the whispers too, right? Yeah, dude, you guys ready? You guys ready for some more level three shit on sure. the whispers? <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I had to be sent this from uh, a friend, some top men, because uh, no one was making this observation. Everyone thought because the IGN video was saying how you fight these three whispers that are future manifestations, as the game says, and they have a gun, they have a mm-hmm. sword, and they have gloves. And everyone interprets it as you're fighting Tifa, Cloud, and Barrett. It's like, wow, it's their future selves. Interesting. Wonder what that means. Because you're like, you know, confronting yourself sort of thing. However, <laughs> however, uh, you start paying attention to what they do and what they look like. One doesn't have an arm gun. It's got two guns. Yeah. One doesn't have a giant buster sword. It's got just a sword in one hand. Another has... A glove. So it's like, oh, it's Tifa, but it only has one glove, a giant one. They're Laz, Yazoo, and Kadaj. Yeah. From the future. Like in, in an existence where time doesn't make any sense, where they can just be whatever they want powerfully. They are the Advent children. And if you go back and you actually look at their moves, their attack moves are the same as the movie. <laughs> they do the same attacks as the movie does. Someone yeah. also looked it up that their elements, the lightning, uh, the wind, and the fire, are actually the same elements that they are in some Ultimacia book or you know some <laughs> some fiction that I didn't even know existed because these characters suck in Advent Children. And I, I agree, I don't want those characters to come back. But the idea that by the time you enter that portal, Sephiroth is already in control of the Wisps and in control of time. He's already manipulating his remnants to do his bidding for him. And that he's asking, he's commanding Cloud to kill them. He's commanding him, take them out. 
because I want you to feel like you have control of fate now. Like why, if, if it was Cloud beat Tifa and Barrett, that would make a lot more sense. But what did they do right after you fight them all individually? Do you remember, Ben? Yeah, they, they fuse. They well, fuse. They, they fuse into what? Oh, Bahamut. They fuse into Bahamut. Who yes. they summon Just in Avid Children. Who they summon in Children. Children, yes. So at that point, you have to come to the, the, the conclusion that, oh, Sephiroth's already in control of Whisper Ghosts and Destiny and shit. He already, and what is the big ghost called? What's the big thing? Like when you kill all the tiny ones and you have to fight like yeah. the big is goofy it, Kingdom Hearts guy? Is it Arbiter of Fate? What? It's like, I think it's something Harbinger of Fate. Harbinger, okay, okay. Do you remember what Vincent calls Sephiroth and Advent Children? No, I've, I, oh, I, I was telling these guys. Calamity's, so Calamity's Dark Harbinger. <laughs> it's Sephiroth from way in the future, controlling fate. You know, Max, I understand what you mean about the levels now. <laughs> the levels yeah. get fucking crazy, <laughs> dude. Like, like, and once you start putting this stuff together, and, and I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. This is like Bloodborne levels of shit. Did they yeah. actually think this through? Because it feels like they have no fucking idea what's going on with the story of these characters by the end. And now I'm like, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII Back to the Future. Holy shit, man. Like, this, I don't know where things are going to go, but I'm actually personally confident that our characters are going to go on the same path. They're going to still, we're still going to go to calm. We're going to get, Cloud's still going to be like the unreliable narrator. Like that still has to happen. Hojo didn't ruin that by saying, you were in soldier? No, you weren't. And then yeah. they get, he gets whisked away. With perspective, we're like, oh my God, that's, that's a, such a spoiler. What the fuck is going on with the story? What are they doing? And I, I felt the same way. But without context to someone that has no idea, Cloud still gets to be the unreliable narrator. He gets to describe what happened in Soldier and what happened to Nibelheim. Like all the same events still get to transpire. It's just that the stakes potentially are higher now because Sephiroth's intentions are now different. He needs to do the events original FF7, but he needs to do something else with Cloud. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So we were talking about Sephiroth emotionally manipulating Cloud when we brought up uh, like Jesse as an example, do you think with the way that they introduced Tifa and her father dying, that that is also a point that they would use, that Sephiroth would use against Cloud to further, like would that also be a point that would change and you would get to see that change? Uh, so you mean the flashback essentially? The flashback, Tifa's in the cowboy hat, she's over yeah. her dead father. She I, goes hate, after I hate Sephiroth. this scene, yeah. Yes, but, I, I, but, they, but they make it very prominent multiple times in part one of the remake. Well, that happens in the original? Yes, true. I'm just saying, like, is that something else that could change? Could, could more of Nibelheim change oh. as part of this grand manipulation? You think, like, Genesis is going to be floating around in the, in the background? Oh, the I'm just asking questions. I don't know I'm if we'll see Genesis. <laughs> so, so, like, and, and yeah, and I think that's where you're thinking, right? You're like, oh, is is all the goofy shit from the previous games gonna no, make its way into Nibelheim? No, I'm just, you've really got me on the hook and I love everything that you're talking about with not only the narrative being so well thought out and connected in a way that is logical if you actually manage to connect all the points, Yeah, but- It's not, it's convoluted as shit just as much as the original story. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm not even complaining about the convolutedness. I'm just- wondering like everything that you're saying 
with the idea of Sephiroth changing things to hurt Cloud, I think is really interesting as a character and as a villain. And so my question is, I wonder what the extent is, what the scope is of that manipulation and how we're going to see that manifest with events from the original game. Here's, and, and here's my, once again, like level, this is around level three theory. Uh, this, that, that pulls into the timeline stuff, right? We're seemingly going to have Zack in an alternate timeline that is replacing Cloud. That potentially, and I, I've thought how like, how crazy would this be if, this, if four months later into this game, they, they release Final Fantasy VII Remake another time. And it's the, a bombing mission. And you start the bombing mission and Zack jumps off the train. And you're like, what the hell? And you get to experience the characters and Zack doing slightly different but similar things in battle as Cloud does. I'd play it. And I mean, that sounds awesome, right? <laughs> that sounds like really cool. But I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's essentially what they're sort of setting up, that in an alternate reality, Zack is taking the place of Cloud. Why would they be setting up an alternate reality where Zack is alive? And I, I genuinely hope it's not so that Zack and Cloud can like talk to each other and the timelines can merge and you know they get they get whispers of them in their journey with Cloud and his journey and they're like aware of it. I think that would genuinely suck if they but did that. It, it wouldn't have to be that though, because what you're saying, if right. they do make that game, it would just be a way it would be a vehicle for explaining with what they're trying to do with the story. Exactly. And there could be moments, you know, throughout the story of the original game where you get an idea of what's going on, that Zack is alive somewhere that are, that are sort of sprinkled throughout. But theoretically, why would they do that? Where is this all going? Like where eventually these timelines got to do There's this. There's got to be a point. Right? Yeah, there has There's to be a point from being alive. And it, the more I started thinking about it, the more I started talking about it, that point is Eris death. The whole the setup why Zack is alive is that you can twist the knife even further on Aerith's death, where it's not just Cloud that's losing her, it's also Zack. They both are going to lose her. If there's one thing that our characters are going are, are to try to believe, that Sephiroth wants our characters to believe, since he's in so much control now, he wants our characters to think that you can save her, right? They want they to be aware that she is like savable in some way or something like that. And the best... To me, like without removing the heart of Final Fantasy VII, which is Aerith dying and dealing with loss, because the theme of the game is life and by accompaniment death, you make it way worse, right? You make it so much worse because you've instilled hope in the player and you've given Zack something to live for along with Cloud, and then you take it away. But how, how cool would that be if you not only get to experience that moment in another part of the remake as Cloud, but if you also get to experience that in a completely playable segment as Zack, like that, and that's I how that I don't emphasizes know. that point. Right, and it emphasizes that point. That's where I don't, I don't know how they're gonna handle that, right? I, I don't I don't wanna see like a split screen of, of Cloud and Zack going, <gasps> you know. Your side like, four style. Right, I don't, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Like, and, I, and the reason I'm confident that it'll be okay is because the story elements of remake and the way they're handled and the character dialogue is so good, I can only imagine how fucking heart-wrenching that is going to be once, if they're able to pull it off on the same level the story beats of this game are. Because the story beats of this game that actually are like emotionally resonant are super emotionally resonant. Like they do a very good job of making you give a shit about our characters so much and figuring out what Cloud is and why is he going through this stuff. And Aerith's a sweet girl, but she seems to be leading on more than she seems. And 
Tifa just wants to get to know more about cloud is an alluring to the fact that even clouds kind of, they're doing a very good job at preserving original FF7. So in, in, my, in my opinion, I can only see them preserving the original and amplifying it just as much as they did for part one. And the, I think that's the whole reason why this timeline stuff is happening. They, they just want to amplify her death to the point at which you as the player, you get, you're given a little bit of hope, right? You're thinking that maybe we can do something about it. Mm -hmm. So eventually the crossroad happens and she dies no matter what. It's a constant. There are things that happen, uh, there are singularities that happen in time where you just can't avoid it. And despite <laughs> everything of our character's efforts in the future, no matter what they do, she dies. All so, right, Max, it's, it's time to subscribe to your stream. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want, and you want to know, well, I, I, and, I, and you, I also started thinking about the timeline stuff. This is, like, this is almost like level four. Cloud and Sephiroth team up for the final battle. I'm sorry, Cloud and Zack team up for the very final battle yeah. and meet. And they're finally, they're finally together again. Like, like what, what both of them always wanted, to like be together and be friends. And they are to finally kill Sephiroth in the end game, like the super end game. And that's how you amplify the end with Sephiroth. That's how you amplify the end of Final Fantasy VII. Cloud and Zack finally meet up. And then once Sephiroth is gone, there's no reason for timelines anymore. And Zack is gone. Yeah. And it's just Cloud. And then you're just left with the original FF7. So... I, this is this is like huge brain after after thinking about all this stuff for so long. That's that's like the huge brain shit that's kicking in. And I'm gonna give you the last piece of level four. Are you ready? No. I I <laughs> I, 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 I was I've had a quite a few people tell me this, and I'm I, I thought it was like that's no fucking. And then it hit me. The final shot of Final Fantasy VII original is Aerith as Holy mm -hmm. comes in and sweeps across the land yeah. and she uses the life stream to save everyone. And it's that doo -doo -doo, and you see her face. Cloud gets a vision of that literal moment in this game. He hears the doo -doo -doo, and he sees, he like feels the emotion at the end of Final Fantasy VII and he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Level four, Omega, Insight 99, Bloodborne Brain is that that shot of Aerith at the end of Final Fantasy VII Original continues directly over to the shot of Aerith in Final Fantasy VII Remake, where she is essentially being, like, through time, delivered from the end of FF7 to the beginning of Remake. And she wakes up, and she's aware, and she looks, she looks around, and she hears Sephiroth. She feels his presence because the planet needs her to go back. The planet, like, needs her to return to the original events and start and start assisting the party to make sure she's like, she, she's like the Obi-Wan, sort of making sure everyone sort of does what they need to do. And the end of FF7 original, just that same shot is directly connected to Aerith opening her eyes and she's like aware, oh, okay, is Sephiroth around? Nope, I feel him. You hear his fucking music at the beginning of the game signifying that this is different than the original FF7. The, like, the feather dropping when Cloud mm -hmm. is in the reactor, Sephiroth is already there. He's already like, his presence can be felt. Aerith is aware of his presence. The, like, this, those, like you hear the, the music at the beginning. So that's Omega level four brain, right? That's, that's the furthest I can possibly go. I'm not even on board with all of that yet, but the only thing that really supports it is that Sephiroth's theme is at the beginning. Cloud sees Sephiroth's black wing at the beginning, and Sephiroth never gets a black wing feather thing until the end of Advent Children. 
He doesn't have it in Crisis Core. He doesn't have it at the end of FF7. He has it in like Dissidia and stuff like that because they change yeah. his design. But he gets the Black Wing because he's like an upgraded version of Sephiroth, right? He's evolving. But Cloud, the Black Wing of Sephiroth is is there throughout all of everything. You remember the key art? Yeah, FF7 remake? Yeah, it's in the first thing. It's the first very first thing they show you. Kitase literally said, we have a special piece of key art and there's a unique design to Sephiroth. I hope everyone will appreciate it or like, I hope everyone, you know, is able to pull some information out of this. These guys were setting us up for three years. Those bastards. They, it was in front of our noses the whole time that this is Sephiroth from the future. Yeah. That he's coming back. I'm like, they got us. <laughs> this was the plan the whole time. So... Welcome to level four. Yeah, I don't know. Feels good. Whether I don't know whether to be overjoyed that you're illuminating so much, or just upset that the other parts are ruined now. Which parts? I mean, I I'm making a joke and saying that you're you're spoiled. Like I'm just going to be playing oh, yeah. it, and I'm going to be like, "Fucking Max, he already told yeah. me this." Like, I no, mean, what's if, happening? If I I I just like the I'm way just kidding. the I, the way things are going, it just. It just makes sense. Like it, it feels does. Like it setting makes sense. us up. It feels yeah. like almost this timeline stuff is a red herring to make you to make you feel like, oh, maybe we're gonna be able to do something about it. I could be wrong, right? Like Cloud and Zach can walk away at the end of that scene in the rain, and Zach could get shot in the back. Yeah. Just like the original game. And and then Cloud has memories of it. So I don't they leave so much open to interpretation in the end, but they sprinkle so much of this shit throughout the entire game. Like, the whole game. I, I noticed just last night, and I put it on Twitter, when Cloud first runs into Sephiroth at the end of the game, and there he, he meets him, right, outside of, like, being in his head and shit, and he's like, You're, you, uh, is it really you? And Sephiroth starts giving him, like, flashbacks and stuff like that, starts, like, infecting his mind. Cloud has a moment where he's just like racked with pain, like feeling all this stuff. He has no idea what he's feeling. And then he suddenly grabs his left arm. He starts holding his left <laughs> arm like it hurts like hell. And, he does, and there's a shot of it. Like the, the, there's a specific shot of his hand just like gripping his arm super hard. The same arm that he had Geostigma yep. in in Advent Children. Yep. They are level, level four. Yeah. This is what, honestly, it's what I love about Final Fantasy Remake as a game is that it's given us stuff to hypothesize about. Yeah. That, you know, if it was just straight up, we'd just be like, yeah, what, what kind of weapons are left? You know? Uh, like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get up there and we're going to kill, she, they're going to kill her and we're going to go take it to so snowboarding. Yeah. And, and so I just, I love that it's given us this again. Basically, it's mm -hmm. almost a truer remake in that it gives you more surprise and more wonder than a straight-up yeah. one-to-one remake would have. And I think all of us can agree that like, the way they, they, they sort of deliver this information to us is super not obvious. It's like Dark Souls Bloodborne levels of sort of subtext and the, the dump truck of all of it just falling and crashing on mm -hmm. you suddenly I don't think is handled very well. And, it, and it's... I wish more people could like come to some of these realizations and figure it out instead of having to watch like a YouTube video on it. But at the same time, it's like Bloodborne's my second favorite game of all time next to FF7. And it wasn't on my first playthrough. I'm like, oh, that was cool. Some weird gothic stuff and you're fighting werewolves and space aliens. That was, it was fun. And then I watched like Vadi Vidya. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. And then I played Bloodborne a second time. It is now one of my favorite games of all time. And so, that that realization made me love it so much. Th this is the this is what I want to 
ask you, Max, because everything that you're saying coming to that re realization, I think in any story coming to those realizations is very enjoyable and fun. What I would argue about Bloodborne is you don't need to come to that realization to have a very fulfilling experience. You don't, you don't finish Bloodborne and you're like, oh, I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that journey. I feel like it is dense enough that whether you're at level one or level four, you're getting something out of it. It comes through the execution and the presentation. Sure. I haven't seen Evan Children in a long time, but I've seen Evan Children multiple times, and I feel like I usually walk away from Evan Children. It's not great. Feeling very unfulfilled. Not and it's great. like, yeah, you can go down the rabbit hole and you can come to the fulfillment of those revelations, mm -hmm. but actually sitting there and watching the movie, it doesn't come across very well. Like the same thing as Crisis Core to an extent, the same thing as Dirge of Cerberus, the same thing as all this other FF7 stuff that they've been doing for the past many years that isn't FF7. I completely agree with you, dude. Like they are disappointing. I love FN Children, but that movie is dumb as shit. Like it, you have to watch like the complete edition. Mm -hmm. It's like over two hours long to make it a comparable movie. And it still has huge storytelling issues. The characters are terrible. I have no idea what's going on. Like, unless you have deep understanding of like FF7. The concepts they set up are kind of interesting that Sephiroth lives on like through his mimetic legacy. He lives on genetically. I'm like, okay, that's the stuff they're using in this game. They're not like, Kadaj doesn't go up and he's not like crying, don't cry, Laz, like all this <laughs> dumb shit. <laughs> like, like, I just like, please like kill me now. Like, can we just get to the final fight scene? And that's the only one out of Advent Children, right? But, and here's the part where I'm like on, where I, this game puts me on board. The things that are missing from Dirge of Cerberus, Crisis Core and Advent Children are present in this game. The characters. Mm -hmm. your, your, your adoration for the characters. Like, I have never felt a crew of characters feel more original Star Wars than the original Star Wars. Like, it feels like these characters are, like, destined for greater things and they're going to go places. And there's obviously, like, a, a like uh, stories to be told about them all because we know there is. But, man, like, the relationships in this game that they establish are so fucking good. And it's, like, some of the, some of the best that's out there. And it, it's, this could be an FF7 fan talking but I've seen people that have no idea what Final Fantasy is that are like, oh, that's that sort of sort of weeby Final Fantasy thing. Like they describe it as that. And then they play FF7 and like, well, this is cool. Why is this cool? Do I like Final Fantasy? Like people, people will start saying that after they start playing FF7 now. So I think they're trying to do what the original FF7 did. Yeah. They're trying to get people to like Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy has been a very specific thing for the past 15 years-ish. That is, it could be sort of hard to jump into. The last time Final Fantasy was genuinely different, like there was a big jumping point, was, in my opinion, FF7. Like, it was, it was most RPGs before that were what? Sort of romps through classic medieval Dungeons and Dragons explorative worlds in many different ways. I think 6 was obviously a bit different. Mm -hmm. But the jump to like new technology and all this stuff with the original FF7, that's the thing that got me to play it. Dude, I, I played the original FF7 when I was like 14 years old and I thought RPGs were for nerds. Like, oh God, these nerdy kids playing all these like Dungeons and Dragons games. Oh God, I'm going to play Killer Instinct and Street Fighter. This is stupid. And then I just sat next to a friend one day that was like, 
dude, I'm playing this Final Fantasy VII game. It's a sick, like a really good friend. I'm like, dude, that's that stupid Final Fantasy stuff. Like, right, what are you doing? Like RPGs, what's wrong with you? And it's my favorite game of all time. Like, it, 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 that, that game changed me. I feel like they're trying to do the same thing. Like, that's, that's the gimmick behind, like, this entire why they're making the characters so belovable, beloved, belovable, why they're building you up to, to have hope that characters will be savable because they want the same resonating feelings of old FF7 to happen to new people and potentially the same people that played the old game. Right. I, but... With what you're talking about, I feel like to really get the subversion that you are hoping for, you do kind of need to go through these levels and you do need to have an appreciation for the compilation and all of this stuff. Yeah, like, dude, it, it feels like this game is a sequel, right? It's not. Right. It, exactly. it's, it does feel like a sequel. It yeah. is, and it, it is. is. It is. So, I, I mean, and I, I agree with you. I think like... The super open-endedness of it leaves people sort of confused. Mm -hmm. It emulates the feelings that we kind of had with the original with not knowing who Zack is, with, you know, we're going to venture out into the open world and we're going to be blown away potentially by, wow, the world is so much bigger and expansive than the original FF7. It feels like they want to capture these emotions. And the only reason I think that is that my 40 to 50 hour experience with this game was nothing but that. It was nothing but just like, wow, they made me feel like I lived in Midgar. They made me feel like Midgar was a real fucking place with real characters. And that was like, I keep, I had to like take myself away from the weird ass ending and reflect on the 95% of the game where everything was the most, the, the, the most beautiful remake I could have possibly have imagined. And then the dump truck rolls in mm -hmm. and it's like, ugh, ugh, drop all this shit on you. So it's, I think it could have been done better. I appreciate that it has subtext and replayability for story, mm -hmm. but it's it's so unique and bold and and like weird. And I only I my 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 fears are quelled with the fact that ninety five percent of this game was incredible. Yeah, like ninety five percent is exactly what I wanted. And the or, way and more the way I rate it is like was it fair right? Uh, because I don't really see it as a dump truck. I feel like, hey, at least if they planted the seeds, I'm cool with it. Like, there's moments where they say, like, what are those ghost things? They seem to attack Jesse for some reason. Like, they said that out loud, right? Yeah. So I feel like if you give enough of those hints, it's 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 on the table. It's it's fair enough for... And there there is hints. Like, it, we, we just talked about, like, every single time the ghosts do something, it is not just some random, you know, the fans getting in the way and preserving the original timeline. I think that meta is super true. Right, I think it's definitely a metaphor for the developers to surprise you in different ways than the original. But they already did that with this game, right? Mm -hmm. They already they made Hell House a giant, incredible boss fight. They they why did made, we not spend a half hour in Hell House? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like right? <laughs> they, they, so they, cool. they 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 were directly <laughs> aware that people were talking about how Hell House is a meme. Yeah, how it's like, how do you have Hell House? <laughs> how do you have Hell House in a world of Final Fantasy VII that looks like this? It's impossible. How do you have cross dressing yeah. in 2020 in a world like this? It's impossible. And they just boom. They just, they just like it, nail yeah. it out of the park. Yeah. They, they don't even. I don't even think they did it. They just destroyed it. Like they they did it so well that okay, they they get it. I, I have complete faith. Like the things that were super weird in the end don't change the fact that the, the elements that I think were handled so exemplary of, 
of honoring FF7 and its fans and potentially new fans, I, I could just see that that's where they're going. They just want to amplify everything to make it hit and hurt even more when it eventually does happen. It's funny that we started this conversation talking about how this feels like Squaresoft. And, and oh, yeah. like re- the, the reason why Squaresoft had the impeccable reputation that they did is, you know, again, I'm generalizing here, but for the most part, when Squaresoft made something, it was so purposeful. They had yeah. something to say. They had a way in which they wanted you to experience a story that no one else was doing, right? You talked about the subversion with Final Fantasy VII and going against what other RPGs were doing at the time. Yeah. That, that is what this feels like, and I think that's, that's why it's so exciting. Like, there, I feel like there are so many things that are good now with games, but they're not exciting. And I yeah. think this, because this feels purposeful. Yeah, and I, I had somebody, and I was watching some other streamers that I love, and they're just like, this just feels like garbage, right? Their impression is like, like this This is high-quality garbage is what it is. <laughs> and then <Brutal>. I essentially... <laughs> yeah, brutal. I, 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 I realized their perspective is that they played the original FF7 with the perspective of the 90s. The perspective that we were in a medium where every year there were monumental leaps in this industry that if you looked at a game at the beginning of a console, it looked like it could be two console generations ahead of it by the end. Like Final Fantasy IX in comparison to Final Fantasy VII. Like it's, the the technology was so rapidly growing. And to be completely frank, since the Xbox 360 and PS3 generation, we've essentially just been upgrading loading times, resolution, textures, things like that. There hasn't been like, giant monumental strides. The only one I would argue is VR. Yes. Like yeah, yeah. VR, Resident Evil 7 VR was like an experience that I cannot, like that, that shit changed like my, my perspective on games and I, I love it. Half-Life but Alex, in terms man. of like the big, how has video games just monumental, this game was like Resident Evil 4, right? The God of War, the Final Fantasy 7s, the Half-Lifes, like right? All that kind of stuff, the Dooms. It's, and some people would argue like Last of Us, is definitely one, but Last of Us like is what it is because of such incredible storytelling. I think it was monumental like storytelling in a game. Like, yeah, the quality of that was so high. But in terms of like gameplay, it's it's like a boiled boiled down Uncharted in in many ways, but just done with the most incredible characters and story. As this, this is talking as somebody that arguably and I'm not arguably, but admittedly, I haven't played all of Last of Us just because the gameplay didn't grab me. Mm-hmm. I just. I know the story and I watched like people play it, but I just couldn't like I, what we were doing as characters just never grabbed me. But I will say that game deserves all the merit in the world because it, it, it was monumental to the industry as it grabbed people, right? It made people truly give a shit about its characters and that's tremendous. So much to the point where it's, it's the medium of storytelling, right? We were evolving as video games. So to expect that like Final Fantasy VII remake, you know, like this thing that, that practically evolved the industry is going to do the same thing again that's that's like the expectations thing where you're i think that's a little too high of an expectation right like Like, it's you're not gonna feel the same way yeah the original game was like insane when it came out yeah like not even just like like even on a marketing budget that game like how it was treated and looked at it was like nothing like that at the time yeah, you saw video game stuff on Pepsi cans and yeah. shit. It was like, this is crazy. Like, how has video games infected real life now? Like, that that never really has had happened before that outside of like Mario. Mario, yeah, the movie. Nintendo stuff, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, 
that that is a, that is an impossible goal, right? Yeah, like, it is. You can't, you can't you can't you can't be a a studio and be like, okay, we're going to do that because it's it's not like a tangible thing. Yeah. But I think you can say we have something that we want to say about this story. We have a way that we want to make you feel. Yeah. I, I think I think those are a lot more achievable. And based on this conversation if that is what they're going for, even if it doesn't work out exactly as we all individually hope, yeah. I think that ambition is commendable. And you could feel that ambition in part one. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like what, the, the, the number one thing I was like, man, how bad are you going to feel when the plate falls? <laughs> how, how, tremendously, how tremendously dreary is that going to be? And the music, the way all the dialogue is with the characters around you, the way you feel as a player is just, it's soul crushing yeah. after, after the plate falls. It's like, my God, man, what are they going to do when she dies? <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, it's so what cool. are they going for? When I think about things that are, you know, unique to video games as a medium, what I really like about that is there was such a long time where I was, I, you know, I, I play very late at night, right? And I'm like, okay, I'll just, uh, I'll stop playing when I get back to sector seven and, you know, get back to my hotel room. And that realization took so long where it's like, I'm never getting back to that hotel room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and just in a, from a video game perspective of having this area that you were cool in, you were doing your side quests in and just having it destroyed actually has, I think, a greater impact in some way. Uh, mm -hmm. from this this comfort that you had already pre-established yeah, there. Yeah, you, you just, you, that's actually a great point that I didn't even realize. If you didn't do all the side quests in Sector 7, well, screw you, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. Like, you can't go back and do that stuff now. You have to play the game again. Yeah. Like, that's actually kind of cool. It's like, there are cool, some yeah. there are some things that are kind of, kind of interesting that sort of happened in some of the side quests at the original outside of finding cats and things like that. I, I genuinely feel the side quests in Sector 7 are the weakest of all the side quests and then they get kind of interesting and obviously Wall Market, which is like the best chapter in the game. Yeah, It's and definitely an up and down with the side quests. It's up and down. Like there, there's, there's degrees of quality so much to the point that like it feels so much like Yakuza. It's, it's insane. Like I'm doing stupid mundane shit and then I'm doing really interesting character growth stuff and then stupid mundane shit mm -hmm. like all over again. Never feels grindy though. At least there's that. Yeah, I don't I don't think it feels grindy. I feel at least there's they they try to have the characters communicate enough and, you know, do something at least, right? Dude, the behemoth fight was sick, man. Oh god. I love yeah. you play you play the uh the VR one where he's like a mid fight. I watched you VR? play the VR. No. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, is this yeah. Hojo's VR set? Yeah. 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 Ho Hojo's, Hojo's VR at the end of the game has a uh, hard mode uh, There's some cool monsters sequence. in there, dude. And there's, yeah, there's monsters that aren't in the game at all. I'm yep. like, oh, so they're, they're going to use these. trophies for those. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're going to use these in part two. Like, you're going to run to dude, some of these enemies. Marlboro, dude, out in the world yep. is going to be sick. Well, I, because... Go ahead. I was actually disappointed with... Because you fight a behemoth in an early side quest. Yeah. And yeah. the way that they set it up is so sick because you go through that area and it's like you hear roaring. And I was like, I enemies don't get contextualized this well in game. And obviously, like, it's a behemoth, one of the most famous Final Fantasy monsters. This is so fucking sick. And I, you, was, uh... I was jumping up and down with excitement. I was like grabbing my wife and being like, we're going to fight a behemoth. And then I go and I fight the behemoth. And I'm like, this is the easiest shit ever. I'm so disappointed. But it's nice that there is a difficult behemoth that you can access later on. But I was disappointed in the initial battle. In the underground lab? In the underground lab. That was disappointing? Yeah, it was disappointing in, in, in that I felt just for me, in my own mental buildup, 
the 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 difficulty and the mechanics were not. Oh, the you wanted like some exp- huge, spectacular, difficult challenge boss fight kind of thing from it. I just felt like with the way that they were building it up, and I, I may have been off base, but it didn't feel oh. that hmm. far removed from a normal fight versus like the build up. What's fun? The, I mean, the behemoth fight. The initial behemoth fight. And it's called like yeah. a proto behemoth too, it's right? Type, like, I think it's, it's like a type zero behemoth. Type zero behemoth. Yeah, I think yeah, it's meant to be a little the, weaker than a real. The real behemoth shows up in, That's in part two. VR later. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then and then have you guys actually tried a little bit of hard mode? Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. I'm I'm kinda of, the way that I'm like mentally categorizing this game is I'm trying to do everything in normal and then it's like, okay, once I've checked all that stuff off, yeah. then I'll go and do hard mode. That's how I, I I'm gonna sell you on it right now. Uh you, you you go fight the guard scorpion. I'm gonna not spoil much because I want okay. you to experience it. You go fight the guard scorpion, and it seems like a relatively normal guard scorpion fight. He's like, oh, he's just doing more damage, and I'm doing less damage. Okay, let's go whoop his ass. This, I'll just have to be a little cautious. And then Barrett's like, get behind the rubble, or Barrett calls like, get behind the rubble. So you do it, and then one character's protected, and you start fighting, and he lasers the shit out of the other character, mm-hmm. and then he eventually does like, right as it's done, he lasers the hell out of both of you. So he has completely new moves. They take that's, the things that's that you're ready. Difficulty, which is awesome. yeah. yeah. They take the things that you're like, oh, I remember your weakness. This is what I do. Oh shit! Yeah. Like, completely aware now. And just the whole idea of like, hey, you can't fucking use items. That completely makes you reevaluate materia yeah. than you could on an initial playthrough, which is really yeah. Get mana cool. back at benches uh, either. I will say that chakra and uh, and prayer, prayer yeah. are, are super. Lock them in, dude. Keep them in. Good. Max, you were talking about the manuscripts, and I think there's a really awesome synergy between gameplay design and wanting to go back and get more of the story because you're like, this is better in, in subsequent playthroughs. It's, it's not just subsequent playthroughs, like chapter selection is enriched, and I actually think it's genius that you get, I think it's like double experience and triple AP or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Once you finish the game. Yeah. I think that is like a practical incentive for you going back and replaying and it keeps it fun because you're getting more rewards, mm-hmm. but yeah. you're also getting new story bits. Yeah, and the so, game wants you to be level 50. Right. Like it, it wants you to be at max level. But the but but like you're getting you're getting satisfied in multiple ways. Why where, where you're you're the progression, like you feel like the the shackles of progression are lifted off, your characters are growing, you have to think about combat in different ways, but you're also getting a new perspective on the story. Like these things are lining up and merging. There's a the really reason awesome why there's new game plus. Like, right. right? They 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 like, all right, we showed you a lot of crazy shit. If you go back and you start playing again and start actually paying attention to Sephiroth's motivations, start fighting in different ways that are different. Like you have new perspective on how battles are, so we're gonna flip that on its head. It's like it's like the best situation of subverting expectations without going the Star Wars route. You know? It, and and not to I'm not saying anything about Star Wars, but all I'm saying is that this game does a lot to subvert your expectations, but they do it in a way that seems completely smart like really thought out like they they genuinely have been thinking about this shit for like 10 years if we were to eventually do this how would we do it what's the best way do we make it exactly like the old one do we make it a sequel do we make it just like cloud picks up the sword and you essentially do advent children and do more stuff after that like do we do that or do we have our experience our players experience final fantasy 7 and we're going to try to give them the same experience they had before but we want you to feel the wonder Mm-hmm. We want you to feel the fe- the same feelings. Like we don't want your memories to essentially be the guide 
Like your your perspective on FF7 has a lot to say in this game. And I personally love that who's the enemy of your perspective as a player in Final Fantasy VII Remake? Who's the one character that's here to not just get into the character's timeline of the original game, to not just mess with our main character? Sephiroth that? is fucking with the player. Like, and I kind of love that meta. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of love that Sephiroth is so deep in this. He's been, he's, he's been built up as this bad guy. Like, everyone practically knows who Sephiroth is in many ways. And if you start really looking into it, like, he's messing with you. He's messing with your memories. And I'm like, I'm on board. I'm, I'm, how is he going to do it more? I don't know. I just take me and Sephiroth. Like, I just, let's go. Like, whatever this, whatever road we're going to go down here, if it's going to be weird and different, if it's handled in the same way as this game, super down. Mm -hmm. You talked about um, feeling that sense of wonder. And I love that it is not just from a like fleshed out characters and kind of sequel storyline that we're talking about. Gameplay, dude. Gameplay, right. That's the thing is, I think what is something that is still, even if you've never played it before, remarkable about Final Fantasy VII today is is how much there is to do. There are so many optional things. There are crazy mini games that you're doing. I feel like VII Remake also tries to instill that same sense of wonder with its interactivity, with how the quests play out, with the optional things that you can get involved in. Uh, Like... It, it tries to grab that same Dude, feeling ben, purely even from like lifting a levers at the same gameplay time? standpoint. Yeah, and I, I agree. Yes. 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 So and, fun. The, and the, how many dialogue stuff. options there are. For, oh my God. Yes. So, and, and to, not, to, to not sound like a complete like FF7 remake fanboy, because I critically gave this game the same score you guys got to give it a nine. Mm-hmm. But I have like, I have to tell my, my audience that I have like my critical review and then I have my personal review. That was a, I was definitely thinking about that when I was doing the review for this game. Yeah, it's tough if you have to give it one review. And as like someone that doesn't like have to like be in the same situation you guys are, I can just tell people like, you know what? Critically, I think you should definitely go get this it's a nine out of ten for me personally this is one of my favorite fucking games i've ever played like i just i love it so much but i can absolutely absolutely have criticisms there are very long sequences in this game where you're just walking and looking at things and things aren't interactive and i'm like i should be fighting enemies in this really cool area i'm just not doing anything here except just moving through how beautiful it looks and normally in any other game, I'm like, oh my God, we're just repeating the events of Final Fantasy 13, right? We're just going through that again. I, I honestly feel this is what Final Fantasy 13 should have been. It's Final Fantasy 13 where the sequences that are extremely linear and you're just going down and essentially just running from one part to the other, just looking at stuff for the most part, are okay in this game. True. Because they're amplified from incredible music, fantastic looking levels, and character development that happens throughout all of it, right? Characters are just talking to each other and you're learning things about each other during all these sequences. Yeah, it's like the robot arm part. You're like, okay, I've yes. done this robot arm a lot. The stupid but robot it's arm like part. Earth and Cloud talking together is so entertaining. And then she's it like, high five yeah. the shit out of me. And you're like, oh, I don't have to deal with that stupid robot arm stuff. And then you get the most, one of the greatest moments in the game, which is, uh, the- <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I love this yeah. game. Like, like those. They, they take something that is like, obviously, we're in like PlayStation 2 level design here, guys. Like, give me a break. Like, what is, what is going on with some of the level design in this game? And luckily, you're, you're essentially handheld through all of that by incredible music, fantastic characters, and a battle system that makes me 
that gives me like genuine, like, I can't believe I'm playing this like type of feels. The bow system's so good because it incorporates so many elements from the original, but I think the bow system is really great in this, but it also leaves so much room for them to sure. do additional stuff, which I'm so excited about. Oh my God, are you? Okay, I, I yeah. want to hear what you guys would think about like where the battle system well, can go. Well, like aerial one combat thing, needs to definitely be. Yeah, oh yeah, aerial yeah, combat's sure. the worst. They, they almost like hint at aerial combat in part one, but they could definitely expand the shit out of it's it. It's yes. one thing in RPGs that, I mean, I love RPGs. One thing I don't like is when you have your party and it feels like the rest of the party is just kind of like fucked off. They're not even around, dude. Like yeah. you're in these conversations. They're not even there. I want the characters somehow to feel more involved in the fight with you. Like, yeah. I know it's asking way too much to have like your entire party out in the field, but some way to is incorporate it? them easily. I don't know, maybe from a technical standpoint. If it's what as if flashy, like, not not at the same time, but what if you did like assists? Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm well, saying. Like something like to incorporate them in combat. Maybe like like you should be able to together. switch out between them, like the Final old, Fantasy X style. Honestly, like, yeah, Damiani, that's exactly yeah. what yeah, I'm like, thinking. The PHS I, is FF10. I would yeah. want like team up. Like I love team up attacks and Chrono Trigger. Like if you could fucking do team up mm. attacks or some shit, like skill you could just like bring them in yeah. for a second. Yeah, just yeah, something like that. This game, this game does give you reasons to like, yeah, like get one ATB after the other. In fact, there is materia in this game that is already hinting at sort of where they're going with the, uh, it's like, it's some ATB materia that gives you a big ATB boost if you use move after move after move. Yeah, but it has to oh, be three different master. moves, right? Yeah, yeah skill master. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Three so, unique moves in a it row. It has to be three yeah. like moves in succession. You mm -hmm. have to do them really quickly. So... I'm like, man, just imagine in the next game if there's like dual techs or yeah. skill chains a la like Final Fantasy XI where you get like yeah. added effect bonuses. Like if you do uh, if you do star, star Shower with Tifa and then you go into Cloud's Blade Beam, it's going to create this giant like fireball effect. And But if you do it in a different combination, it's going to create an ice effect or some unique thing. And yes. then if you amplify it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that increases the stagger gauge, right? Like that's... Yeah, that's that's why they like they, it feels like there's room to improve and that could be the direction that I would definitely take it just give us more cool stuff to do with the with the party. Yeah, there's definitely a, like there's a lot of small quality of life things they could also do as well. Like they don't do it in the next part. I'm going to be really upset. Uh, they need to have material loadouts loadouts. You need to yeah. be able to yeah. save material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so was really me. annoyed uh, how oh much I had to God. do that loadouts and God, they please. need to just give you an ability to spend an ATB bar to swap out one materia in mid battle. Like when you're playing in the second playthrough on hard, maybe that's locked out, but there's so many times we go into battle due to assess. and like, I don't have this equipped. I get to do this the long way. Now I'm going to be here for an hour fighting this I thing because I didn't do it right. Just maybe it's limited to like one swap. You can only use it once per battle. There just yeah. needs to be some way to change like out like your elemental mm. once or something. You just so like when you screwed. assess a boss and it's like, Hey, Aerith has a weapon that you could steal and you don't have fucking steel yeah. equipped. Yeah. That, I, ah! I think it's, it's the exact same problem that original FF seven has. You have so much materia that is going unused mm -hmm. most of the time. And these things that you could do, but you know how you fix it? You give, you, you have multiple characters that can put materia on. So instead of just being three party members, what if all your other characters need materia on them because you can swap out to any of those other characters at any point in the future game? God, that'd be Maybe so Vincent sick. can just pop in. And they, uh, you're always three characters on screen, but if there's like a sub tag system in next generation hardware, which is where we're most likely going to be going with this, 
that would make a lot of sense if you can actually have access to the whole party in some way on the fly. And they just have to rebalance like enemies I feel like for there are, you having access to your whole party. I feel like there are moments at the end of the game where there How are five Vincent? characters Sorry, fighting on your, t on your team. So, I mean... Yeah, maybe you're yeah, right. That'd be cool. It'd be really, yeah. really cool to be able to swap. It feels like, like they're that. already getting ready for it. Because I actually love swapping in this game. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's like great. Said, one move after another after another. I'm like, this game is so... Like, they're doing all similar things and the enemy's like, staggered! Fire everywhere! Oh. Like, nuke this bitch! Like, the, uh, I, like the, the feeling of, like, the game is constantly giving you choices to make and things to do is the thing I love about fighting games. Like, it's like, it gives me the fighting game feels because in fighting games, you constantly have to manage meter and what do I do with that? And now that they're doing this, I got to do this. This game always has this bar that I have to fill. It's always got this, these, these objectives that I have to complete to get to this thing. And now we have to do it. And now we got to hammer it home as soon as it does happen. I think they're also, I, I, oh, liked, Go ahead. I liked how um, the game, like, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I could make Barrett a melee fighter if, if I want to. Why would I ever want to do that? I like it. <laughs> he has such a specific purpose as a ranged yeah. character. But then I had to get the battle intel for getting all the, the proficiency things. So I was like, okay, well, I, I'm going to equip Barrett with a melee weapon, finally. Oh my god, it's so fucking good. <laughs> and it's good in a way that mm -hmm. is different than every other melee character. Yeah. Um, and so it, it like... There are a lot of things that don't feel like an afterthought. And from a material standpoint, from a weapon standpoint, we didn't even talk about the weapon upgrading system. Like everything has a really strong purpose. And it's so satisfying getting all those proficiencies up. And it's like, okay, the weapon proficiencies taught me how to use this. Now I have access to all of them and I can chain them all together. And it feels so good. I love how you can use the Buster Sword throughout the whole playthrough if you wanted to. Yes. Right? You can. Huber's happy. You can, you Pretty can much stick. did. You can, you can stick with these you weapons with if you want to. But there is like unique abilities on every weapon. Like one recovers MP like 50% faster. And I'm like, well, that's a big difference. Like all, all of them have like these super unique things that they do. So they're giving you like reasons to try the game in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I like that there's only six of them per character. It's mm -hmm. good. Yeah, for, right? yeah. yeah, it's like if there was if there was too many, it would almost feel like you're having to make too many. They got to hold back a bit. Right yeah. Like what they did yeah, with, uh, and, like I think the only thing that was a little underutilized because I think they're holding back and also it's probably going to be something that we need to maybe spend some more time on is the enemy skill materia. Yeah, mm. only four abilities I right now. Yeah, I, I think they're holding back because oh, they're yeah. like, the we're going to set that loose next part. Like, because of be the material limitations and I just didn't have steel or, or enemy skill, I got no enemy skills on my first playthrough. I'm going to get them on hard mode. So I just missed that completely. Mm -hmm. And I love enemy skills. One of the coolest things in the original FF7. How is Vincent not going to be the most fun character to use? Right? Like, how, how is, is Yuffie not be also fun? not... Like, I, I, Yuffie is, like, one of my least liked characters in the original FF7, but she's going to be... She's going to be a fucking ninja. Instead of just throwing this big wheel, which she does in the original, like, that's about the extent she goes through, you're going to be, like, zoom, 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 doing hope, all this, like, crazy yeah. stuff. I Dude. hope she has, like, buffs and stuff, like... Yeah, yeah does, like, weaving signs and stuff. I'm just thinking about like catch she dude and like throwing dice or something like what the hell? Is oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. <laughs> their limit break. <laughs> can we can we talk about the incredible moment where our oh. characters are going through the saddest possible scenario? <laughs> They could be in, and an anthropomorphic cat shows up and starts weeping. Kyle, I and thought of you like, immediately. 
Yeah. What? <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> what is going on? The, like, the game almost remains already. a little too traditional sometimes. Yeah. Like it yeah. almost forgets that, you know, that people are going to be so confused by that. <laughs> it's a good and it's, it's truly weird that that human, he got in his suit and is just like, hey, I got to get on top of the building right now to watch this. Man, I don't know. Wait, they're not in the suits, remote controlled. Remote controlled, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But like it's like piloting. Basically yeah. pilot. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like the spot like, okay, it gets on. Let me get it get down and look like it's crying right now. That's like so <laughs> weird to me. <laughs> I I dude, I guarantee you he's in he's in a a Chadley VR thing. It has to I be guarantee right? you it's it's Chadley. Dude, like, what if Chadley made that for him? He undermines. Oh, that's a yeah. thing you get, I guess. Uh, I heard about Chadley. You get when you beat all the VR mission stuff. I haven't gotten it yet. You get uh, another Chadley cutscene. Did you? Yeah, Ooh, you get a, you get a you final reveal Chad- about. Oh uh, yeah, Spurs don't tell me. Don't tell yeah, me. I don't okay, want to say. Right. It, but yeah, I, I got spoiled for my second playthrough. Wait, wait, wait. So I want you to ben, experience it. Ben, earphones off. Earphones off. I want to hear this. <laughs> ben, if you're gonna hear it, I, I'll hear it. Okay, all right. All right. Not, what's what's going on with Chadley? Earphones off in spoiler mode. What's what's going on with Chadley? Are we are we doing it? Yeah. Uh, he's a robot. He's an android from Hojo. I wish I didn't know that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's face says it all right now. <laughs> but he's, attra- he's attracted to Cloud. Hey, he experiences weird emotions that he doesn't understand. Yeah. Because yeah. he's a fucking android. <laughs> wow. Chadley. <laughs> this game is amazing. Mind blown, dude. I love ju- this game. It kind of justifies him being all over yeah. the place, It dude. does, yeah. He follows. Oh, he's God. just literally battle assessing Cloud. The that Chadley is so cool. Watch. Like... That's so Hojo cool. does, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Chadley Roth comes up next game. I should have headphones off. I'm so mad. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too oh, great, it's dude. So oh, it's great. Chadley. 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 <laughs> Chadley, Love Chadley character. Dude. It's all so Chadley. Perfect name. I hope Chadley is the final <laughs> boss of like all oh, the VR or, stuff at the end. I want to bring up something we didn't even talk about is uh, Roche. What a soldier! Oh Jesus Christ, Rush! The the Dante of Final Fantasy VII remake, dude. What did you guys think? Well, like, no, I'm sorry. I like Dante too much to put Rush on the same level as Dante. Yeah, Rush is an I extreme. He, he's a Final Fantasy that. character, right? Yeah, like he's a Final Fantasy he's character. Like goofiest. He's, he's an Advent Children character. Hell. Is what he is. Yeah, he's an Advent Children slash like maybe an FF10 sort of like I'm crazy. Yes. I'm doing this. Yes. I'm a hyper. He's like, too happy for Advent Children, dude. Did you did you get the piece of dialogue uh, a bit later when you're at Aerith's house and they mention about soldiers? Because it's like it's even aware when he shows up that the other the other guys that are working for Shinran are like, oh, God, it's that guy. Get the hell out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks they're everyone's crazy. afraid of him. They're, yeah. He's crazy. So they're sort of setting up that soldiers are nuts. Yeah, the Mako, dude. It fucks the the Mako fucks with them. Yeah. Like they are like psycho psycho like like magic sort of like superheroes yeah and but they, it's gotten to all of their heads so i kind of love the idea that Amira tells you the thing too where she's like you boys made a trade a real life for power mm-hmm. you can't have both i'm like oh my god so what are they gonna do with roche he, he i'm like i wish there was more of him because i want to see more of that i want to see i want to see roche break and i don't know if you guys also caught it earlier there's more like compilation of ff7 stuff uh president shinra tells cloud about what happens to soldiers 
that they go through cellular degeneration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They essentially go through the highest high in their possible lives that they become gods essentially. And then they are, they're, they're nothing. They're, Mm -hmm. they're taken down to nothing. So they're setting up some interesting stuff for cloud there, right? That is very crisis core, but at the same time, they're setting up for moments of Roche coming back like in the future and hunting you down. And he starts degenerating yep. and he starts realizing that he lost his life and he goes back to the way he was. And he's like a husk of a person that is like, don't make the same mistake I did. Like, like they're going to, they're going to take that same character development that we had for everybody else with this crazy hyper final fantasy character. And they're going to ground the shit out of them like, mm-hmm. eventually. Yeah. And I'm like, Whoa, I like Roche is kind of annoying and crazy. And all the characters are like, who's this guy? Like even everyone in the game is yeah, like, everyone hates annoying him and game. crazy. Everyone hates him. Like, that's all you need. Yeah. You just what, need someone to react need. to it. Yeah. So like if they eventually ground the shit out of him like in future games and he becomes a recurring boss, but then by the time like imagine the last time you fight him, he wants sad, to fight, dude. but he doesn't know why. He's just you'd have to kill this poor guy. He, he just he just wants to be he just wants to be ended. Like that's how you handle He's this. He's gonna shit. start like, deteriorating, man. His hair's gonna yeah. turn gray. Yep. Crisis core so. the weird like like yeah. skin's peeling. Like I just there's nothing left of him. I don't know if they're going to if they're going to carry that stuff if they're going to carry that theme to cloud in the end that cloud thinks he's going to eventually die too and he has to make decisions before he dies but that would make a lot of sense too mm-hmm. because that's what he goes through in advent children mm-hmm. like he has he has this quarrel that I'm dying my son my adopted son is dying and like what do I do like with this time and maybe they can actually make it better than advent children this time because it was a mope a mope fest in that game. Maybe that's the sort of way that they're introducing that we can fix that story, right? We can yeah. we can fix the issues we had. So, I I don't like Roach. I always let me let me correct myself. I didn't like Roach. I mm-hmm. thought he was very forgettable, and I did not. I was I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't even talk about Roach during the spoiler mode. The spoiler mode has made me super fucking pumped for what they do with Roach next. Dude, he's gonna be punished Roach you. later on, man. Yeah. Punished Roach. Be, yeah. He's gonna be a yeah. sad state later on. Why Why are they telling you all that crazy? Why is everyone acting the way they do around Soldier? Why is all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're setting you up? Like, the stuff that they set up at the beginning of the game happens, like, they set you up for later already. So it's pretty clear where all these stories are eventually going to go. Unless they just say, fuck it, and Zach's alive, you don't get to play as Cloud. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, if they do something crazy like that, genuinely disappointed if, like, these things go in no direction. Yeah. But considering where they've gone so far... 95% of the game is is great in terms of its storytelling. Definitely agree with that. Um, what was I going to say? Because uh, you're... A weird thing. Because you, you were talking about like so much of your theory, uh, the level stuff, talking about like Advent Children stuff. Uh, the only thing I wanted to add was throughout any of your playthroughs or any of you looking for Denzel or trying to see if Denzel uh, made a cameo or something the kid no, from I didn't Advent think Children. About it. I was I was looking to see if Yuffie no. was like hidden in some places. I, I thought someone one of the, uh Kyrie or whatever she yeah. kind of reminded me of Yuffie. I could have seen Yuffie yeah. doing that role. I could have uh, seen like Kyrie is like a disguised Yuffie, Yuffie or something like that. Like maybe, but apparently she's not. No, um, she's not. I mean they no. talked about Wu Tai like way more in this game. Yeah, so I like that a lot. Been... Are you are you guys ready for some uh some level four? Oh, uh, this shit. is level four, but I got okay. I got another one, and I, I also I was also sent this by. I feel Top like I'm in a Man. cult. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this game's crazy, dude. This, this game's this game's crazy. Uh, so you remember when the game introduces that avalanche is a cell mm-hmm. that they are essentially mm-hmm. yeah, a yeah. piece that is sort of like 
extracted because they are deemed too hazardous, right? They're they're, they're deemed too, too extreme, unstable. yeah, too extreme. That's, that's how they call it. But then you actually get a, you actually get a scene in this game of Avalanche as a cell of like, oh, these guys are these guys are professionals. <laughs> like, <laughs> whoa, they actually understand what's going on, and oh, they, they're actually coordinated, and they're not this ragtag group. Like, wow, that's actually really interesting. They these guys have clout and money, and there's like an organization. Uh, the design of those guys is identical to Before Crisis, the cell phone game. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And that game oh, yeah. investigates what the Avalanche cell is. Do any of you guys know what the Avalanche cell actually is? But wait, are they, thought, are they thought, Wutai? I thought... They Go promised. Ahead, they 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 said they promised like Wu Tai all the material Midgar or something like that. I, I had a friend. I hadn't played. Well, the that was game. one of the operations. But the original Avalanche was not like the story of like FF Seven Avalanche is. They found the bunker of theirs abandoned because Avalanche has existed for a long time, and sure. then they 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 co opted their thing basically. So they're not the, the Barrett and them are not the real Avalanche. They're, they're they're like their eco stuff is not what Avalanche was. Avalanche was like fighting a war against like the Turks and Shinra for like forever with like they, help for Wu-Tai and like it, yeah it was a massive thing uh, I, had a, I had a friend tell me what like the eventual big reveal is because there's a big twist at the end of Before Crisis um, and I, I'm reluctant because I could be spoiling you guys on I'm, a story element for future games are you ready? Yeah I'm ready I mean, I mean, I can't, I, can, I, can I guess on. what it is first Max? And I'm never going to play yeah, that go ahead. Game. Rufus Shinra uh, yeah, is yeah, the oh, head actually, of Avalanche Mike got it. Yeah. yeah. It was all him because he wanted to subvert his the, father. The, yeah. The avalanche cell yeah. is actually it's, a a subdivision of Shinra. They're like they're like plants to lure out people that are fighters for the planet to eventually get rid of them. That's cool. That makes sense. That's really yeah. cool. So eventually, like eventually in this story for Final Fantasy VII Remake, completely different than the original, we're gonna take our characters that feel like they're a part of a bigger plan. Like our Oh no. No. Rufus got him. Rufus. Stop it, Square. Oh, he's back. Stop it. I know I'm spoiling your next game. Stop it. We got our characters that are that are going to be eventually feel like like they're saving the planet with a greater good. They're gonna be removed from all that shit eventually. They're gonna be betrayed and they're gonna realize that they're all alone. And they're that 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 your efforts as a team is like back to the original FF7, where it's just us against the damn world. And I'm like stakes are getting bigger right right these are the things that are making me super confident about the future when you start like really looking into it like the the stakes are getting bigger for everything and it's going to hit even harder than it was in the first game max i feel like you have me so on the hook that (laughs) you could go into an explanation that like convinced me i had genova cells injected (laughs) into me in the real world i went through all of this man (laughs) the past two days have been crazy for me like i haven't stopped I haven't been able to stop, like, people keep sending me things and they're like, actually, look at this. Wait a minute. If you look in Advent Children, Sephiroth <laughs> summons the ghosts. He Can summons you- the plot ghosts. I'm like, what? And I went back <laughs> and watched it and he totally does. I'm like, oh, shit. Wait, the whispers are in that movie? There's a, there's a moment in Advent Children when, when Sephiroth is addressing Cloud and he's above Midgar, like wrecked Midgar. Uh-huh. And... I forget what he says to him, but he like hands up to the sky and the entire sky swirls around like it does in this game. Mm-hmm. And then out of the planet comes these black sort of creatures that gather and Sephiroth like absorbs them and they sort of embellish on all of Midgard just like the Wisps sort of do in this game. Cool. So I'm like, 
all right, they thought this through. They have a big plan. Yeah, they have they, a plan. They, they have a plan. They're not just winging this shit, right? They're not just like, oh, we don't know where we're going from here. See you guys later. Like, I think a lot of people are worried about that because of Star Wars. <laughs> And oh yeah, I mean, Star Wars yeah. didn't have a plan. That was the problem. Right. I, I, I think <laughs> yeah. that's that's like the situation we're in now is that you have something that is a giant piece of fandom, right? This is the Star Wars of video games in many ways for a lot of people. So I think there's a lot of reluctancy to many of us that are sort of concerned of where they're going with it because they were setting up for things before, but we don't have much confidence because like the first movie was pretty good. It, like. It was okay. Like I, I think the Force Awakens is actually the best of all of them, but the other movies just don't hit any of the similar notes. They don't even hit nostalgic notes at that point. So the only thing I'm I'm confident about that Final Fantasy VII remake isn't doing that. Like I said, ninety five percent of this game is dreams. Like is just like how is the combat, the music, everything looks so good. How is how is the story and the characters like? How is it better than it ever could have been in the original? Like. And that's the part that keeps reeling me back. I'm like, okay, you know what? Instead of getting worried, I'm all in. Me too. Oh yeah, on the train, baby. I'm Thank floored. You. I'm floored by this game. I'm also, I'm also. I mean, I love this. I love hearing these theories and stuff. As someone who's come from two fandoms where have been Kingdom historically, Hearts, yeah. I mean, not just King of the, but Game of Thrones and uh, Zelda being completely yeah. burned by thinking you have everything figured out with all this empirical <laughs> evidence. And sure. the, the creator's going to say, nope, we don't care what you had before. We're doing it this way. Yeah. Uh, I I still expect them, even if like they know people figured this out, uh, they might change some stuff. Who knows? Like I'm still expecting it's not going to play out as anyone said. There might be some things that will happen. Yeah. Oh, I agree. But like, I think it's going to like, I absolutely think they're going to walk the fine line of we're going to like bring you so many new things you didn't expect and mess with you on these different levels. But at the same time, we're actually giving you exactly what you wanted to. Most yeah. of the plot points are still Just happening. Like You're still going to mm-hmm. these places and they're fleshed out. Yep. We're also still surprising you. And like, that is the most impressive thing I can see them do. And like, I've sat on the ending for a while. I, I'm, a, I'm with, a little bit with you, Max, where I don't necessarily like the, like the, yeah, the, the, dump truck coming through and hitting you at the, the end. The storytelling of it is not good. And like in the singularity area, like the, the more kingdom heartsy part was like the part I was like, eh, whatever. I mean, combat's still cool, but like this narratively, I'm like, this is just taking me so much out of it, but does not just, I mean, as long they can do whatever they want. If they like, they can go crazy and shit and do break expectations. If they give me less of that and more of like that Sephiroth fight at the end. Those is yeah. like the most bonkers, holy shit thing. I was like, we're doing this now. We're doing yeah. this crazy shit now. I was like, yes, yeah, sure, do this. Like, break my Dude. expectations and don't care. There's a lot of their, their faces that's yes. the end of the yeah. original. I was like, this is why so are, fucking Why epic. are we repeating end of FF7 in part yeah. one? Like, what the fuck is going on? Did you guys notice that Cloud tries to omni-slash Sephiroth? Yeah, he f- doesn't and he blocks get it. all of it. Yeah, he does not get Se- it. Sephiroth says, like, not enough. Like, he knows. That's so cool. I've, I've been through this That's shit so before, bitch. Evo moment. Yeah. Evo moment, Sephiroth. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! What's going on? Parrying Omni Slash is so It's fun. madness! Yes. It's not an already madness! Uh, and I, I think that, like, these, these moments that they're eventually, like, building up to, like, these, these super very kingdom heartsy right like they're not telling us like they are mm-hmm. we're gonna put cloud and sephiroth in the in a, in a singularity right something that transcends time and space and i do completely agree we went from 
being on a bike chase, of whacking a motorball and climbing through vents, to reenacting Advent fucking children. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, how is I'm suddenly dicing buildings in half and shit? Like, there's a big disconnect here. My only argument for that, instead of it being like, arguably, like, this is not great storytelling at the end, is that our characters are transcending time at that point. Our characters are in a place where time and space doesn't really matter, and it's constant. So they're going to be at their best. They're going to be in, a, in an element where they are fighting at their at whatever requires them to because they are they, they're just existing like pr- free of past present and future so they're in like they're in a world where they should be like at their most powerful at the end of final fantasy 7 which they are or even in advent children so and i think that's why you get the visions of yeah. advent children and stuff like that our characters are reenacting they're they're sort of reliving the future at that point they're fighting what are they doing they're fighting cause uh laws yazu and kadaj and then they're fighting Sephiroth. It's, you're essentially repeating the future. And that's what Sephiroth kind of does throughout the whole game. And I can't wait. Yeah, for... I, just, I feel like all bets are off for the future. And that's what's so exciting about it. They can be, there yeah. could be different party members. There could be different cities. It's just they've given themselves all the freedom in the world. Yeah. I actually don't think they'll do that. I, <laughs> I think that I, I personally just think they're going to hit all the same story beats. They're just sure. going to be more amplified. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think like Reeve is going to be a part of the party or something like that. Like as a character or, you know, hmm. Vincent looks like a bird or a dog or a beast, or I think it's going to be fairly traditional. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff is to make you think that it's going to be all different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the I, wondering I, is part of the fun, right? The yeah. wondering is part of the fun. Like the, yeah, the wondering sure. if like, is calm gonna be gone? Yeah, you'll yeah. see like it, you'll see like Leslie though at some other parts like yeah, oh, stuff yeah. like that will come back, yes. but I don't think it's gonna be like dramatically different. Like yeah, here's this new rock have, man like, as your party. Yeah, they have side quests. I mean, there's just still also like fun less like big brain stuff to think of is like how they could approach part two with you already being like level 50, all this material. Like everyone's like the easiest solution. Everyone's like, if he comes and steals your materia yep. and you get yeah. Metroided where you lose all your powers and stuff and you you're got back. Cool yep. Yeah. I'd be cool to reset the materia, honestly. I mean, yeah. yeah. And then you wake up and it's all gone and then you, and then you run into work and someone saw him in their sleep and she's like, I sold it. Yeah. I can't, I, I, yeah, I can't give it back to you. Like that's a great character moment. You, you, you now know who Doofy is. Yep. She wants to join your party. You don't know if to trust her or not. Like, <laughs> there you go. Ready to go. Uh, the only weird, crazy thing I didn't get to mention in all of this was, uh, how adamant my chat was since I'm a huge Final Fantasy 10 fan. Um, the Shinra building, the history tour, how in the historical photo, um, of the group of people, uh, Shinra, the character from Final Fantasy 10, the character at the mask, the kid, apparently there's a picture of him as an adult in one of the photos there. There was a mask guy. I didn't know that meant anything. Chat is like my chat was adamant that that is a Final Fantasy X world connection because they're supposed to be in the same timeline. It's a nod. And they were were like, hey, wait till you see them do some crazy shit where we, they did Zach in the past. Now they're going to go back to Final Fantasy. I was like, no. Don't, don't do this to me. Stop. <laughs> you you want to know, like, you, you know, how... it's an Easter egg at best, and that's all yeah. we'll see. You want to know how well this game is handling its references to the compilation of FF7 and Easter eggs and Cloud holding his arm? They're going that far, right? Mm-hmm. They're not having Genesis show up and being like, yeah. let me tell <laughs> you about angel. Loveless. Yeah. Uh, there's, there is references to, oh, yeah. to Genesis in the game. Did you guys, did you guys see it? 
I mean, well, they talk about Project Destin G, but yeah, like uh, uh, Project uh, Hojo tells the party, or it says something to somebody. Breeding. It's about breeding. With I'm going to breed him with a soldier that has Project G cells. <laughs> oh. Right, and Project I G cells about are that from scene. Genesis. Genesis mm-hmm. cells, you know. When, I love when, that everyone is so uncomfortable about that too. It's like, yeah. dude, what are you, what are you breeding? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we, dude, no. <laughs> and we talk about how big of a piece of shit Hojo is in this. Yeah. Oh my god. The moment where he's like holding on, like her cellular, uh, it, like he's talking about his mother on a cell, her mother on a cellular level, and <laughs> how he dissected every piece and how beautiful it was. And I'm like, oh my god, dude, they are. Well, that's Hojo, all right. Yeah. yeah. Like. Yep, that's that character. It totally is. No holding back. Psychopath, no holding back. Yeah. Man. But good job with that. Uh, there's another. There's another great compilation of FF7 reference in in the in Crisis Core. Uh, you get receive emails, right? Mm. And one of the emails is from somebody named Kunsel. Oh. Kunsel is essentially on your side, like the whole game. They're like feeding you information. We don't know what's going on at HQ. I think this is the same character. Like, we don't know what's going on at HQ, but they give you quests, they give you information, they give you updates, they give you all this backstory. Like, all this stuff as Zach. And they're like, I'm genuinely concerned about you. Are you okay? I hope you get back to me. Like, they, they try to get a hold of you when you're off, you're off grid and you eventually die as Zach. Like, all these characters, like, want you to be safe so that you eventually die. And that's why Crisis Score is kind of effective storytelling-wise. Anyway, one of those is Kunsel. That communicates with you a lot. There's a moment when Cloud is climbing up because Cloud knows who Kunsel is because you you talk to them before you leave for mm-hmm. Nibelheim, where uh, a Shinra soldier is like, Cloud? Holy shit, dude, I thought you got smoked. Yo, let me go tell Kunsel. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> like, like, they connected this, like, that. that's how you do it, right? That's how you don't ignore the previous elements of the compilation and do it in a really effective way. And that's all you hear about it. And it's and an intrusive, you, right? It doesn't mean anything to anybody who doesn't mm-hmm. care, right? Not at all. Yeah. It just means that Cloud was like, oh, Cloud did know people. Like, yeah. Cloud was here at some point. Like, he's not lying, right? And that's all that does. And it just adds a nice character development moment. But for people that played Crisis Core, it's like, Holy shit, they acknowledge like this really minor character that is actually kind of cool and mostly spoken in text form. So I think it's the same soldier that Cloud throws the sword at uh, before he jumps out on his bike. (laughs) That's funny. He's like like, freaked out by like, oh God, don't kill me. And he doesn't kill him. They just like drive past him. Yeah, I think it's the same guy. Cool. Well. Goddamn. Yeah. We've been uh, at this for two and a half hours, baby. I'm so sorry, guys. No, I this love is what this. The, no, this is what people do. Yeah, this is what I wanted. I've dude. been this waiting is what people so long to talk about this shit with people. Man, yeah, not just a chat. Like, I want to hear perspectives and like, instead of just reading, boom, and there's that perspective and it's gone. So I, my, my biggest apologies if this, if this, if this group gathering has been me like dropping level one, two, three, and potentially four on you all. And I hope it hasn't, I hope it hasn't like seemed like like insight bloodborne levels of just insane and you can actually see like where they're going considering the quality sure. of the remake as it is already and i i genuinely had the same concerns that a lot of people did when i first saw it i was like that's a weird ending i don't like for the game being so good and then Dude. are they saying are they is this a fuck you to fans sort of thing are they doing that and the more i realized when you hear the developers talk about final fantasy 7 when you learn that Nomura was the one that chose for Aerith to die in the original game, when you learn that Kitase and Nojima, who are the scenario writers, 
and the director of the original game actually wanted to kill every member of the party except for three. Yeah. You had to choose. The, everyone in, in the original script of FF7, everyone was going to die at the return to Midgar when you, when you parachute in. They were going to die. They were going to get blown up. And you would have to choose two other party members to live with you to go fight Sephiroth. Sid's got to go. Mission before the suicide Sid, mission. Sid and Kate Sith. This is super. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like that was that was the choice they were going to do. And Nomura had to remind them. Like, do you remember when you in an interview you had to remind them? Remember when you guys were going to kill everyone? And instead of on, not only Aerith and and Kitase is like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, no, you guys were going to kill every party member except three, and for the end of the game. And Katasa's like, oh yeah, we were gonna do that. No, that was Nojima's idea. And I'm like, did did Nomura save FF7? Yeah. <laughs> Is that level six? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 it's sort of, I get more of an instilled confidence that Kingdom Hearts is the way it is. And a lot of people are concerned because that's like what people know for, from Nomura and like Advent Children and stuff. But I, the, the more I've played this game, you don't direct character development and the story that is this game 95% of the way without a deep reverence for its characters and its world. And to think that that's going to be tossed away, I don't think that's going to happen. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how this is going to come across from an audience perspective, and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but this has given me a whole new appreciation for the game that I didn't have, and that's that's really all I could ask Second for any conversation ben. about Second anything. Second playthrough. Yeah. yeah, this is mm -hmm. awesome. I love this. Like, this was so fulfilling as a fan, feeling like like my mind was opening up and all this stuff was coming in, and it's it's just like it, it's making the whole game completely exciting all over again. The insight. Couldn't ask for more. Yeah, insight. It, it is. It's just fucking insight. Literally insight. Yeah. All yeah. this, man, this just leaves me with the thing I was like dreading the most before this came out. The thing I was always going to be scared about was we're going to finish this game and now we have to wait for the next part. But all this is just making that wait even like harder now. It's just like... I'm yeah. happy for the wait now, actually. I yeah. mean... I kind of had to. Yeah, I like, like this theory and on. people are going to keep finding stuff and there's going to be even more YouTube videos talking about like mm -hmm. what's actually potentially going to happen. And yeah. I... Uh, it feels like it feels like we're at the in, in, at the in the the beginning of when like Infinity War came out, and everyone's like wondering what's going to happen to like Endgame and stuff. And we're like that little in between section right now where there's like yeah. all this extreme excitement, mm -hmm. and that that movie was so good. And what's going to happen next? Like it kind of feels like that again. Actually, seeing every single character from all the Final Fantasy games going to show up at the end to kill Sephiroth. <laughs> every single one. I'm I'm saying that I'm going to make an easy allies bet that at some point in Final Fantasy VII Remake, Cloud or Zack or Sephiroth or some of our characters will see PlayStation footage of Final Fantasy VII. The MGS4 moment? Yeah, yeah absolutely. MGS4. I, I guarantee you the easy allies man. bet. Shadow I'll take the bet. Moment. I'll take the bet. Yeah, okay, all right. I'll take the bet. All right, all right. All right. I don't uh, know what's being bet. The dreams, right. but, it's going to be a dream sequence. Everything's on the line. It's good, right? Like, mm. this is not a game where that seems like that's outside of the realm of possibility. No, nothing's outside of the realm of possibility It's now. not, yeah. It's <laughs> Wait, like, what if they just make a new area in, like, pre-rendered background FF7 PS1 it's Cloud style. having a dream. Like, it's, it's Cloud, like, going to Gongaga or something and talking to Zach's parents <laughs> or some shit like that. Like, this, is, this game actually sets up that that can happen. Dude, like, uh, they Max, could do... If, so, it, sorry, go ahead. If I lose a bet, I'll, uh, I'll download Killer Instinct and uh, spend uh, a week trying to get good with one character. Hmm. And 
what what's uh what would i have to bet on my end uh are you still going to be are you still going to be streaming a lot kyle i'll be like streaming from time to time from time to time okay yeah. i'll bet like 100 gift subs in your channel okay great great okay. great 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 let's go with that and uh, oh, wait a minute. i'm i'm predicting that it's going to happen you're predicting that it's not going to happen not, that will not happen okay all right and this is <laughs> this is going to be a long way away but this is a 10 year bet this is some serious like Seven E threes from now. Like, yes. what? This is some. This is some like live stream time shit happening at the moment. Yes. What yeah. if it's okay, just I'm like down. an arcade game at Gold Saucer where you just play the original arcade that would game? Count. That, that would count. Kyle, yeah. Yeah. Do okay. you see those floating count. ghosts around you right now? They're trying to. Cover, they're trying to cover your mouth. <laughs> oh shit, dude. Uh, uh, this was super fun. Yeah. Yeah, this, was, this was awesome. This was really, really fun. Thank you, Max, for joining us on this, man. Thank you guys and for listening. Being so enlightening Dude, with this and passion. I'm part of the live stream now. That's what it feels Dude, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, yeah, that's, I said level bum, three is you've entered the bum, live stream. Bum, 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 yeah. Like, like, and that, that's really what it felt like to me as I was figuring this shit out. It's honestly what it felt like has, has felt like to me since the very beginning. Uh, you guys want to hear some potential, the last level four thing? Yes, give me all the levels. Yeah, yeah. Leave this with final, a little, a little drop. Yeah. Break. Go watch the original trailer from 2015 with New Perspective and listen to what they say. Pull it up right now. Oh, the, the narration? <laughs> like, the narration. Okay. Like, just, that's my last, my, my last request for anyone that is like finished FF7 and you kind of see what, what's going on and... Maybe. With the narration felt like it was describing fans, right? Mm -hmm. The narration felt like the same description we sort of gave the, the plot ghosts, that it's describing the fandom of Final Fantasy VII. That's what makes tra that trailer so amazing. But, it, and it, but it's describing the reunion. Mm -hmm. It's describing FF7. Oh, God, it's not. It's describing that we're remaking the timeline. That Final yeah. Fantasy VII remake isn't describing cool. that it's a remake. It's Sephiroth remaking everything. Goddamn. Fuck. Got chills, <laughs> yeah. dude. Just thinking about it. <laughs> and that shot of Barrett and Cloudlock walking through the light is I'm walking oh through one God. of the time portals. Yep. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Time yeah. portal. Yeah. <laughs> like that yeah. cutscene, that shot will probably be in the final game. We'll be near the end. It'll be like one of the final things they do. The the exact same, like you 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 guys remember that thing that Eris said where there's a... I, don't, I feel like, like I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> you remember, remember when, when Aerith was describing at the uh, near the end of the game what the wisps are, and she's like, every time they're close to me, something gets taken away from me. Like, yeah, like, she like, feels less like herself. She's like, she says, follow the flowers, like follow the uh, the yellow flowers, and it shows a flower like wilting. Remember the shot from the first trailer where there's a black Sephiroth. Oh, the feather. Feather from like Advent Children Sephiroth that falls in next to like a crimpled flower. They're already alluring that she's going to die. They're already setting up for shit. Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah. I was not ready when I went back and I started paying attention to all this stuff that from the key art to all this, they've, it's been in front of our noses the whole time. Yeah. God damn. Geniuses. Genius. Geniuses. I can't wait. I hope, to wait I hope Nomura like comes out the final part and like just drops a microphone or something in like the credits. Just like respect. Take that. I, if they're able to pull it off, right? If they're able to, if these things are like all these very specific hints are, then I, it's Final Fantasy VII, but better. It really is. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is going to do it for this episode of Spoiler Mode. <laughs>
<laughs> that was a lot to Good process. Lord. Guys, but, uh, I've been waiting to talk about this for weeks. I can't. I yeah. <laughs> the comments like are going to be longer than I've had all Brad's year, been dude. waiting longer than me, to be honest. Just like, like, I've been wanting to talk to Brad, so yeah. bad about this yeah. game. Man, Brad. Just yeah. make sure I'm not crazy when I think about stuff because I didn't hear anything from anybody. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like therapy. That would be torture, man. Yeah. For sure. I feel like I just need to watch the catchy doll breaking down emotionally, like on a loop. Like, I just need to give it that. Repeating. Yeah. Need a gift of that. It's your state of mind right now. Oh, I have I have the final thing to no shit. I got I got the last this is it. I'm gonna let you all okay. go now. Is this the okay. post credits? Okay. I got the last thing last thing that I'm gonna remind you guys why you should be excited about the remake. Or, or I'm sorry, part two of the remake. Avalanche, local florist, cat rat dog, or what is it? Rat, rat dog. dog. Rat dog. Yeah. Lab. He like, rat dog. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this game is incredible. Like, th- that that simple moment alone is yeah. just so exemplary of what like Final Fantasy VII is. And they the smile it. moment, dude. Oh, I love this one smile of the best moments in the game. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's all I got. I, Before we go, uh, Max, uh, can you let our viewers and listeners know where they can catch your stuff at if they want to hear more, see more? Yes. Uh, shockingly, there's uh, some Final Fantasy VII. I'm going through a playthrough right now on my main channel, uh, youtube.com slash miles923 or Maximilian Dude on YouTube. Uh, but for the majority, I'm actually a huge fighting game fan. Funny enough, FF7 Original is my favorite game of all time, and it still is. But if you're looking for a lot of fighting game content and uh, coverage and gameplay and theories and all this kind of stuff, then you can check it out on my YouTube channel and Twitch at the same name, Maximilian Dude. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Ben, for joining us as well. And uh, hope all of you who are watching, listening, enjoyed. And uh, we'll see you next time. Spoiler mode. Spoiler mode. Final warning. Spoiler mode. Activated.